0: Hello there, folks. Uh, I'm very excited tonight um, to be sitting around having a bit of a chat with somebody um, who I think is pretty cool. His name is Mika Tiska. You may know him as Mr. Fastfinger. He is somebody I discovered online about 10 years ago and absolutely loved his uh, little website that he had going where you could play the little animated cartoon character via your keyboard and cut heads with the uh, piano accordion playing devil. So I'd like to welcome uh, my friend Mika Tiska. Hey Mika
1: Hi Rick, how are how you? Are you, mate?
0: you doing you doing good
1: Yeah, absolutely good cool, It's mate. Uh, mid, midday here and, and there it's uh, evening already, right?
0: It is it's uh, 7 p.m. There's nothing on TV I don't even own a TV, so uh, I don't even know how I know that but I'm guessing there's nothing good on TV Yeah uh, <laughs> Yeah, so mate, um I, I got to say, I was very excited when um, at Forty Two Gear Street it was announced that you were coming along. Um, I know we had a little group chat prior to the event, and it, Henning announced, Mr. Fastfinger is coming. I think I, I may have been the most excited out of the group. Okay. No way, that's this dude I've been um, been, been watching online for a, for a long time. I only knew knew you as a little cartoon character, so I wasn't too sure what you were like in person or anything. But um, <laughs> yeah. Mate, it, tell us a little bit how this character, Mr. Fastfinger, tell us about, about Mr. Fastfinger and how it all came about.
1: Well, um, it was kind of a, it's a long story trying to put it short. Um, I had my history with guitar and everything as a, a teenager, and, and um, I was really passionate about playing the guitar and really about the techniques and everything mm-hmm. and creating, making music. But at some point around when I got 18 or 19, I kind of started feeling it's not, I didn't, you know, have the uh, trust that this would, my my life would be, uh, I would, I thought I wouldn't be able to do like a career in music. So I went to study multimedia and graphics and visual stuff, which also I have a great passion for. And um, when I studied there, um, I kind of uh, came up with the idea of, Uh, using cartoon character kind of like taking the uh, good old like uh, instructional VHS guitar videos and turning that into a cartoon and using all the multimedia interfaces and things and putting that to internet. I kind of came up with the crazy idea and and I I think it felt perfect because I was really into making animation and uh, I still had, you know, the history of technical guitar playing. And I didn't feel comfortable at being on front of camera also. So uh, animating the the character and creating this imaginary guy felt like a perfect thing for me. And uh, yeah, it was like my final project for this design school in 2004 or 2005 uh, I did this guitar stretch the whole website thing. It was just like uh, the whole character and everything came out of intuition, basically. He was just putting together all these different things that I always loved. It's kind of like a homage to all my guitar heroes of, of my my youth, but also graphic side and visual side. I just put things that kind of felt fun and inspiring there.
0: Cool, cool. Well, I gotta say, I actually have learned a lot of really cool licks from your, your website, the old Mister uh site. Uh, because you could actually print out all the licks that were assigned to each key on your keyboard. Yeah. Um, and I did print that out once upon a time. and went through it. And you had a lot of licks on there that I'd heard around the place, but I wasn't sure what was going on. You know, I I'd heard people like Steve Vi, Paul Gilbert, et cetera, do. And it was really good to actually hear those licks and then go, oh, where's the tab for that? And, oh, that's how you do it. So you actually indirectly taught me a, a little bit, mate. So... Um,
2: that's, that's, that's so super cool, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I, I thought I'm, it was, I thought it was really
1: fun because the, the site was kind of, a, it, it was a mixed, it kind of got half totally just entertainment, anybody who never even played the guitar could get really excited about it, like some really old ladies I got great feedback from and some like really young girls, like uh, five-year-old girls would love to play with that, that character and, and on that side and but also there was this guitar enthusiastic guitar players who would love to kind of learn those licks for real and print out the tablatures and and uh, work their asses off to try to you know play those it was uh it was super exciting to be able to kind of have these two levels like they're really the guitar players but also any anybody so yeah entertainment and and education in the same package is.
0: Yeah, well, it definitely
1: really works.
0: Really horrible. Most definitely works. Most definitely works. Uh, I'm not sure whether you've got uh, YouTube open there and can see the um, the chat room, but we've got a few friends of ours in there, mate. We have got uh, Mo. Mo draws. He's saying, "Hey, uh, Gabor, hey, super fun. See Gabor. I have to read it, man. Or else I don't know what your bloody channel's called. The super fun, awesome, happy time, pedal show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, Gabor." Some change. good friends there. You can change it. Uh, who else is in there? My friend, big fella, Link. He's saying, great shirt makeup. He loves your shirt.
1: So, oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, it has a little
1: bit of queen too.
0: Yes. So this is something I wanted to ask you. Uh, and I was going to leave it down the track a little, but um, green. I noticed you always had the green guitars. Your character had the green guitar. Um, just looking at some of your stuff online. You have an obsession with the
1: color green? Well, that's one of the things that came with the character, really. It's a funny thing. Uh, before Fastfinger, I never really had like a favorite color or anything, but the, the kind of green color was originally Fastfinger's outfit. He has the uh, bathrobe <laughs> kind, of okay. the, the yep. kind of outfit. That used to be green and he, he had a yellow guitar. And then at some point, obviously he lives in this, you know, remote island, which was there's a lot of green stuff there because it's all outside, outdoors. Uh, But then at some point I was um, figuring out I was supposed to, uh, one guy suggested that he would like to do a custom guitar for me. and The first thing was like, it has to be green, even though Fastfinger's guitar wasn't green, but the green was so powerful because he had the, he was kind of Wearing the green outfit and everything, yeah. and uh, I don't know. The green became the thing, uh, and uh, it's also a great color because it kind of divides people, especially when you th- when you think about guitars. Uh, as I was talking with Rokangas Juha, the, uh, the 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 guy who builds my guitar, and who I've who I've done a lot of collaboration t- during the past years. And and uh, Juha has said something like, "They never build." Green guitars for stock sales because they they usually sell the the slowest. Uh, green guitars are not popular. There are a certain little amount of people who love them, but the rest of the guys just hate it. Is that right? And yeah, yeah, it, it's uh, like I don't know if you have any green guitars there, but you might have all the other kids. I don't know if you have a green guitar, but I uh, don't. At no, do yeah, but it, obviously there are guys with green guitars, but it's, it's a little bit more rare. People, like blue is very popular color and, and so on. I don't know, I just love it. It's, it's, uh, it looks, you know, it has a lot of uh, great, uh, it symbolizes a lot of great things as well. So it's uh-huh. perfect for the character.
0: Well, you said that they, they uh, don't sell so well, you know, everyone talks about red guitars go faster. Uh, <laughs> so I guess <laughs> yeah. the green ones are, uh, they go slower. Um, I'm getting a few comments and I'm noticing the same thing. Your picture seems to be a little bit out of sync with the Mika. Um, I noticed oh, a little is well it... back. Yeah. Wait a second. Wait a second.
1: The audio is out of sync,
0: right? Mm, your video seems to be lagging a few seconds. It just started. Bit uh, better.
1: is it, is it better now?
0: No, no. It's it's worse. Yeah, your your um your camera seems to be a bit out of sync with um with your yeah your video and your mic seems to be a little bit out of sync for some reason. That's okay. Weird.
1: Yeah.
0: I tell mm. you why. Uh,
1: because yeah, they go separate ways. Yeah. And That be the reason. Uh, because uh, yeah, the technique which I have here kind of made me. F- I had to. F- Separate the audio and video coming to my laptop.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm is being told it's it very far away. Uh, it is. It is rather out of sync. I'm being told that uh, by people that it sounds really good, so they don't care. But I'm going to try something. Can you log out of Skype and log back into me, mate? And I'll, I'll just see if that fixes it.
1: Yeah, I'll shut yeah. it and I'll call you back. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I will just talk to the, go- the to the guests in the meantime.
1: To yep. Bye bye. Bye bye.
0: I just called you guys ghosts. Just going to talk to. Sorry about that, folks. Um, I just, I did notice that. I've got a little window open there and I noticed that, get a little bit out of sync. I was just wondering whether you guys were seeing the same. I um, I downgraded recently and went back to using the iMac. Where is he? Hello? Hello, Mika. Hello. Yes, let me just see that, right? If I do a little split screen again. I think that should be better. If not, we'll just we'll just run with that.
1: Can you hear me? Can you see me?
0: I can hear you and I can see you just fine, mate.
1: Um, is the sync any better? Um, it's
0: it's back in sync. It's back in okay. sync. Okay,
1: there's something happened with the uh, maybe yeah, Skype. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah,
0: so I, I now know that if that happens, just to re log back in. So, Mika, yeah. what got you into playing guitar?
1: Who told me to play the guitar? What
0: what what what, what, what got you into playing guitar?
1: Oh, well, that's a good question. Um, when I was maybe on fourth or fifth grade, probably fourth grade, my, my older brother got a uh, electric guitar, this kind of like cheap Stratocaster copy. And um, it was kind of interesting to me. And uh, I got kind of excited about it. And in every time when he left the uh, building, I secretly went to his room to, to figure out the, the guitar uh, because mm-hmm. obviously I wasn't allowed to do that. Yep. And uh, I was... those days I had a little keyboard where I would... which I could use to kind of compose little like silly little tunes yeah. and uh, record those on tape. So I was already in, into music and um, somehow the, the guitar just it seemed very attractive. And, uh, I got myself, a like, uh, this acoustic guitar and I've kind of started feeling that I could, you know, it, it could be my thing. I was really, uh, I sucked at sports and, and just about everything at school. And, uh, well, I liked drawing, but that's, that's pretty much about it. But, but guitar felt like a something that I could kind of do something with. And, uh, and I even, uh, put together a band where I would, I was just a singer, really crappy singer. But anyway, I put together a band of my schoolmates, uh, my classmates, and, uh, I had two guitar players there. And, uh, while I, while I was leading this band, I secretly practiced guitar playing all the time. And, uh, during the ba- b- first re- rehearsals of this band, I actually saw how to tune the guitar into uh, the notes of piano. Uh-huh. So, uh, Later that day, um, I, when I got home, I I was able to tune the guitar. So that was the first crucial step to actually have the guitar in tune. And then uh, that kind of, uh, I secretly learned to play the guitar. So uh, it took like half a year and then I could kind of like outplay the guitar players of my band and uh, take over the duties of guitar playing after that. So it was kind of yeah. like a <laughs> funny, funny thing, funny time.
0: Awesome, awesome. And um, so I've always known Mr. Fast Figure to play Stratocaster-style guitars, so Super Strats, I guess. Um, yeah, Super Strats. Yeah. Have you always been attracted to Strat- Stratocaster-style guitars? Uh, is is that something that, that grew on you, or you've always been a Fender it, type of guy?
1: It, it's just the, the fact that I never felt attracted or at home with other types of guitars. It's, um, I've never owned a guitar that wasn't a strat or super strat type of guitar, to be honest, which may sound very weird, but I never felt, yeah, but, but I, I never got myself any other type of guitar, Uh, even though, uh, well, something like a Tele could be interesting, but I've always been kind of like the one guitar type of man. I never, you know, wanted to have many guitars where I will play one part with this guitar, another part with another guitar. I, I always tried to find myself a guitar that would do everything for me. All the, whatever I would like to do with the guitar, I would like to do it with that one guitar. And so I would rather seek versatility in one guitar than try to find five or six different guitars to do all the, all the duties that I need with the guitar. Yeah. So yeah. I think strat is that that sense. A uh, super strat is uh, is is kind of a uh, feels so perfect to me.
0: I absolutely relate. I've um, I've always been one for a strat with a humbucker uh, myself, and um, even gravitated towards just three single coils uh, a little later in life as well. You know that that's a, that's a particular sound. It's, it doesn't suit everything, but just something yeah. about strat, isn't there? It just it fits your body. It just fits in yeah. when you hold it and i was always a very skinny guy growing up so les paul's yeah. man they just hurt me they just cut into me and it was like oh yeah they yeah, yeah yeah plus at the time when i started playing guitar gibson were almost broke as well they almost went broke as they seem to be doing again lately um yeah and it was slash absolutely. that came along and, and saved their ass if it wasn't for, for slash they were on their way down and and they, they yes, were talking, like, play so authentic. that
1: kind of brought that style back into fashion, he, for sure. He did,
0: playing a counterfeit. He was playing a counterfeit. It wasn't a real Gibson. So their whole play authentic <laughs> thing, you know, I'm sure they're aware that one of their biggest endorsers doesn't wasn't playing authentic. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Who, who were some of the I earliest guitar did... players you got into? Yeah. Uh...
1: Well, when I started playing the guitar, um, I started playing the guitar around, um, I would say, officially I started eight, 89, I think. I really got into that. And uh, for me, Steve Y was definitely the biggest one. I think what attracted to me in Steve's playing was that it wasn't like it sounded so different to anybody else's playing. It wasn't much blues based. It, it, it was kind of like from totally different world in that sense. Well, most of the guitar players used, to, the playing was so much based on all the pentatonic and blues kind of uh, licks and things. And and Steve's playing was kind of like uh, out of this planet or world and, and uh, had that certain uh, charisma and, and thing. So, um, I, I, I had already kind of like been listening to like the Dave Lee Roth, eat and smile. I bought that cassette the day it kind of got released and, and I was really into that music already. And, and so I kind of like had that in my ear a little bit before I even even started playing the guitar for real. And, but in general, um, all those uh, technical yet musical guys, Marty Friedman and uh, well Satriani for sure. I, I pretty quickly got into all that instrumental kind of playing thing uh, uh, when I was, uh, during the teenage years anyway. So so that was uh, the, the whole kind of Eddie Van Halen school of playing, playing mm-hmm. the guitar and Eddie of course a huge, huge use inspiration um and uh, then some point i i kind of got really into frank zappa and that uh, his playing sounded like really crappy at first but then i kind of uh, got the idea after just kind of uh, drowning myself to listening all these guitar albums where he would just play like like two hours of just nothing but his guitar playing. I, I used to love listening to uh, those guitar solo compilation albums and, and all, all his music just really got me excited. And, and that, that kind of Frank's music kind of got me into more uh, towards the, the composition instead of just practicing the guitar. At that point I had been practicing so many uh, years, all these techniques and learning all the Paul Gilbert intense rock Video leaks and and things and and when I found Frank's up, I, it kind of got me excited about composition, and uh, then the kind of guitar practicing kind of got a little bit behind behind me, and it got got into composition more, and uh, that was probably really good for me. Yeah. Uh,
0: Gabors telling us we should try Jazz Masters. No. No, jazz, <laughs> you know, jazz, Fender Jazzmaster. No, thanks, Kapoor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I stick to the, the, yeah, the no, straddle yeah. strats. Yeah, so yeah, maybe, have no. you got your oh, guitar? Obviously, yeah, sorry. Have you got your guitar there? I, I can actually see it. I'm just going to answer my own question.
1: Yeah, yeah. it is here. Yeah yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So let's show the folks your guitar. And this is a, am I going to pronounce it right? Ruokangas.
1: Ruokangas.
0: What he said, what he said. <laughs> So.
1: and yeah, it's it's my second rockhanger. The other one is over there. The, this is the, the the first one I got is little darker green, so you have oh, to cool. have a, like a light source to get the green out. Otherwise, otherwise it looks almost like uh, almost black. Yeah, right. And it has a beautiful beautiful green there, and um, I think it's it's in drop D right now. Yeah. Uh, but this. This one is my 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 second rock Angus and and it's uh, I really really feel so comfortable with this one and just the the whole thing the way it feels resonates sounds and and uh, yeah it's it's my guitar
0: cool cool now you me and uh, Semi Bola we had a great little chat which I I, I filmed uh, over in Germany at 42 Gear Street uh, very informal yeah, one. That was- um, we also had Dave Friedman feeding us uh, beer and whiskey, and I think we were all a little bit loose by that stage. Um, yeah, that was some whiskey. The Polish whiskey. Yeah. yeah. Um, and now one thing that struck me about your guitar, and I, I, I saw this when I went back through some of the footage, um, you've got two – they're not five-ways. Are they five-way switches? Are they two five-ways on there?
1: Well, yeah, um, yeah, this is a five-way. This, this and this acts like in, in any in basic five ways which you usually have. You have a full humbucker here. We have a, a combo of these, and then a middle, then combo of these, and then humbucker. Uh, but this, the other one is actually uh, there is. Uh, it does two things or three things. It, this is the kind of like the humbucker mode. Then if I switch it here, it turns these. It splits these humbuckers, so it's kind of brings me the kind of like strat kind of mode. Cool. So it's so it's obviously doesn't sound exactly like a strat because there are humbuckers that are just like split coiled, yep. but still. Um, and then here there's a third mode, which I don't need to use that often, but it, it it's out of phase faces uh, out the middle pickup so I get like a little funny sounds with these combinations uh, here. so it's uh, it's a three-way switch but when I asked for such a switch, uh, the guys scratched their heads a little bit at, at the Rock factory and they they kind of took it as a um, um, challenge. How to do that? Because there is no switch that could actually do this three-way thing. Uh, so they, I think they combined two or three different switches and modified those to make this switch happen happen uh, like this. And mm-hmm. what's cool about it is I I may have a like a, um, the uh, neck pickup here uh, split it. <laughs> then if I want, I'm humbucking the the bridge pickup like that. It's like, it's really handy to use. And uh, yeah, obviously when I'm doing a rock, typical rock gig, whatever, uh, I might not need to use this at all. This is more for like, if I'm playing a part, recording like a... I test out when you split the coil, it kind of uh, I'm not sure if it's that clear with this setting, but it... let's hear it kind of uh, gives you more brighter, less uh, bottomy version of the, the com- combo of these two. Actually, quite a few, huge difference. Cool. So uh, it's it's for like getting the exact right tone from the guitar to match the part that I'm, you know, working on, recording yep. or whatever.
0: Yep. Now another thing that really struck me about your guitar is your tremolo arm. Is that are you <laughs> able to pull that out and bring that up to the camera? Does it come
1: out easy? Oh, the 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 arm. Yep. Oh, well, it? maybe it's.
0: Now that is a solid. Yeah, that looks really cool. You can see that there. So that there's no none of that slipping out of your hand, is there? That's definitely there. Yeah, um, it's
1: it's it's a um, it's handmade by a blacksmith, kind of like hammer and anvil kind of thing, uh, on like fire and everything, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, and. And the um, it's just like uh, what's the like twisted like this in the end and and it gives a really first of all it weights way much more than a typical arm and also it's it gives a great grip so it, and uh, because there's a lot of weight it kind of
2: mm-hmm.
1: get it really easy that that warble sound comes mm-hmm. really easily. Okay. So even if it's here and I if I play the if I play loud you get a little bit of warble with with really high uh, hit notes and I kinda I I like that because it kinda that's actually something it kind of creates
0: character. Yeah, uh, yeah, totally. I mean, there are times when you want that, but that's actually one of the, the peeves I have about a lot of floating bridges is if I am playing rhythm guitar hard and I hear that little flutter when I don't want it, that's something I yeah. find bit, very annoying. But as you say, there are times when you do want it and it sounds like you've uh, you've found the ticket, big, heavy tremolo arm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I I haven't found a moment when I didn't want it, so <laughs> but I... My my approach the whole the whole guitar playing is more I I think I'm I mean I search for the kind of like my own personality through the instrument kind of trying to find how to kind of how to find uh, how to make this playing be, become just like part of me naturally oh, kind of yeah. that kind of thing and and whenever I find something that maybe some other not too many guys are already doing. I kind of feel that maybe this is interesting. It kind of motivates me to dig a little bit deeper because uh, I don't know, um, finding a personality and, and kind of something that would be even just a little bit unique that kind of pops out, out, out of the, the rest of the guys who's, who's playing out there it kind of I find it very uh, inspirational and, and motivating cool. kind of but also the things that kind of just feel natural and kind of feel like uh, yeah this is me it, I'm, I'm in, in searching for all those things on yeah. the guitar so it does it's not always about playing perfectly like things should be it's more like uh, finding your own brush sure. to get sure. the thumbs out Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Now um I just noticed a couple of comments there um, Big fella link is saying the head, the headstock is amazing he really loves the headstock on that on your guitar but he also yeah. said he watched the movie today and it's great to see the trem arm being made um, yeah so yeah I, I watched the movie today as well and this is something my girlfriend and I were talking about last night Trem tremolo. It's not te- technically a tremolo, is it? It's no, a vibrator. it's vibrato.
1: It's vibrato. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I know, and it's it's something that. Um,
0: How the hell did that, happen?
1: that? Sorry.
0: How did that happen? How did was it Leo Fender with was it the whole with synchronized tremolo on the headstock of a strat that got everyone? I'm not- I'm not
1: exactly sure, but sometimes I meet at least some older guys who come to say that it's not tremolo, it's vibrato. <laughs> it's like,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: and they explain why it is like that. It makes totally sense. Uh, yeah, tremolo and vibrato as effects—you know the difference. It's it's a totally different thing. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: I don't know <laughs> why where the tremolo comes. Uh, why the terms? Where, where did that term come out?
0: I think I it know. came from here, man. I think, uh, let's see if I change that, that, I'm not sure if you're going to see on, underneath the fender where it says, that's really small, I don't think it's going to get in focus, and it's all backwards.
1: I think I might see it wrong, uh, I have to, um, do I see Wait, it from the, yeah, you're,
0: you're, you're seeing me on this camera up here, I've got another one down here, but, um, and yeah, with <laughs> synchronized tremolo is what it says underneath. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, So I'm not sure whether that was a faux pas from Leo Fender. Um, Yeah, Gabor is saying that Leo got tremolo and vibrato wrong. Um, That is a monumental fuck-up. That is a monumental fuck-up that has carried... But, you know,
1: I kind of like it because many times I intentionally try to remember to do some things wrong in that way to kind of... uh, just for the sake of it, not making things perfect. And I kind of like that, having that yeah. trem- <laughs> tremolo there. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it kind of messing things up a little bit and, and making all the crowd wondering, what's that? Why? <laughs> I you think know, it's kind of important also to kind of somebody to kind of mix things up a little bit.
0: I've heard along the way that we can actually blame Leo Fender for the standby switch on most tube amps as well. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because apparently, and I'll probably get crucified by people who know electronics because I'm not going to pretend to know anything and I'm just, this is all hearsay from the internet. But apparently you do not need a standby switch on a tube amp. Um, I mean, there's a little Vox AC10 right behind me there. Uh, that doesn't have a standby uh, and it works fine um, so I, this is something that I've seen I've seen the guys over in Tone talk talk about this with John Sir and Dave Friedman etc um, that I've, I've heard that some companies have tried to drop the whole standby switch thing and they got so many people calling them up asking oh how the hell did I turn my amp on and off then if I didn't have a standby switch that they just put it back on but apparently it's just it's not needed. <laughs> <laughs> have you heard? That? Have you
1: heard that? No, I haven't heard that. It, uh, that that sounds kind of a uh, yeah, that's funny. But I, uh, uh, what what I like about the um, what Hughes Kettner does, it, it reads standby and play, so it doesn't confuse you, confuse you in that way. You have play, well that means you can play. When you have put it on standby, then it's on standby. It make, makes sense, but yeah, the. Uh, Classic amp has, it's confusing. It's really confusing. Yeah. And yeah. I, I remember first time uh, I had had been playing for years already with the guitars, and uh, the first time I uh, was supposed to play with a tube, tube amplifier. It was like, it was really confusing to have that other switch there.
0: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Now, you've been really busy lately. Because uh, you actually have a new album that just came out a couple of days ago, isn't that right?
1: Yeah, actually, one week ago, officially last Tuesday, came out. Yeah, one week. Okay.
0: Ago. Yeah, man, there is a lot that goes into self-producing an album, isn't there? So when yeah, it's it, it's
1: it's like it's um it this took me I, I'm kind of lost. Depends how you, you count it, but in like two or three years. Um, and uh, it's just, especially when you know, when you play, when you want to do sessions with live drums and and you have a bass player and you have you need to arrange sessions and you th- do these songs bit by bit, uh, little pieces. And uh, I'm really, uh, I'm always a little bit too much, even uh, after all the perfection of, of the composition. Arrangement, the sounds, and everything. I want want it to be a real, uh, like, uh, overall experience that you know is really enjoyable. And um, it's just a lot of work. And this time, I especially paid so much attention to the mixing. That that was a uh, that was a long uh, long period of time where it just mainly was focusing on putting uh, the mixes together, just making mm-hmm. it sound as interesting and cool and stimulating for the for the brain as well. Did you mix this yourself? Yeah, I mix it, mix it all myself here, uh, right here in my room. And uh, and uh, I mainly what I do is I, when I start composing, the mixing basically basically starts right there. It's yep. it's uh, I mix, compose, arrange, and record everything kind of like in a huge large mess. It's uh I, I there's no real phase for composing. Once composing is done, I arrange when the arrangement is done, we record, then we do the post-production mixing. It's not like that. It's, uh, sometimes we have had like the, the sessions with the bass and drums. And I realized that this composition is not, it sucks.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, I will recompose the whole song, except the bass and drums. I did that at least for one or two songs for the, for this, for this new album. Uh, uh, I just uh, realized that this song is not... Uh, it doesn't have the lifespan. I mean, uh, I might compose a song. It sounds great for one week or one month, but then I realized later on it's its not so special. Uh, usually when you work on these songs for two, two years, and if it still sounds good, you know that this song is actually really good. It's worth putting, up, putting on an album. I really want it to be... Uh, uh, really want it to be like that and uh, it's it's not maybe that healthy approach of making albums but i kind of kind of don't want to especially when i'm doing an album i want to want it to be a uh, really like a solid thing cool cool so, so
0: so you've been mixing for a while then is that something that you've yeah been, the whole time you've been playing you sort of picked up the skills
1: yeah well uh i already after I, had st- I started playing the guitar, um, well, even before I started playing the guitar, I was always into recording sounds and th- things, uh, whatever sounds on tape. And uh, we start got the first bands together, and and I, we we had four tracker tape recorders and things, uh, really crappy sound. But I was many times the guy who would need to somehow mix it together and uh, kind of st- started like that and those days also I could borrow a four tracker so I would have that and a drum machine I could make music on my own kind of like my own solo music uh, and uh, it kind of started like that and, and over the years I've, I've recorded and produced bands recordings and, and demos and things uh, and also done a lot of my own music and yeah I for when it comes to this Mr. Fastfinger music, um, it's very hard for me to trust or give it to anybody else because I have like a really specific sound that I want it to be. I want it to sound a especially specific specific way and uh, the mixing is really artistic thing. it's I think it's almost or as important as the composition. It kind of like what happens during the during that time the beginning and the end what happens there it kind of like uh instead of just putting drums bass and guitar there and that's it it's it's more like a timeline where things happen and and occur and make it it's it's more like a creating some kind of a movie for your ears kind of thing that i like
0: absolutely so um you you kind of nailed it before i I think the whole Mixing and composing kind of go hand in hand. Like composition, arranging is a big part of getting a mix right. Um, if yep. the arrangement isn't right, if you've got s- certain instruments within a frequency range battling each other, it's really hard to fix that in a mix. It's That's an yep. arrangement problem. And um, yep. I, I think a big thing, I know if I'm mixing for other people, there'll be times I'll just leave something out. And they go, wow, that yep. sounds amazing. I couldn't get that to sound like that. How did you get that part to sound so good? I said, you noticed that I just dropped something out because you couldn't get that to work before because this other thing you had going wasn't important, but it was getting in the way of that other thing. So, yep. uh, yeah, yeah.
1: So, I, 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 absolutely, I, I like that idea. And what I many times do is, is um, when I compose, I might have like a, many, many tracks of synthesizers and different guitars and things. And then uh, eventually I realized, hopefully at least in the mixing, final mixing moment that I can mute these things on and off, put them on and off at times. And so all these things don't need to be there right from the, from the beginning to the end. Things can come in and come out. They can be on front. They can go back. No, otherwise they will battle from the same space and that's not good like you said exactly it's it's arrangement uh, totally. thing yep.
0: yeah yeah i'm just dropping a little message as you talk on the um 42 gear street chat just to let everyone know uh, most of the most of the people will be uh actually asleep <laughs> except for the europeans yeah. yeah um but i just dropped them a little message we'll just see if anybody is awake that might want to join us there um Mika, can you give us Three tips for mixing guitars. Because I, 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 I've seen a couple of names in the chat that are friends of mine who uh, like to do some home recording. What's three things that you've learned in getting a good guitar sound? Anything pop into mind? Um,
1: obviously, it depends on the guitar part, but um, the EQ, oh, well, first of all, of, of course, the if, if you have a, when you record, I would start from the recording. When you when you record the guitar, uh, I rather try to record the right guitar tone in the moment because you know have have the you know the amp amp miking and everything sound the way you want it to sound in the end. Uh, I'm not a big fan of reamping because to me the way I play depends on how the amp sound how the all the gear makes it sound like. So if if I'm thinking, well, I will change the amps and everything afterwards, it kind of, that would make me feel very weird. And I will not know how it will behave in the end. But anyways, uh, I think getting the tone that you want as closely, the kind of uh, tone that you would think that will suit for the song and the recording in the end, try to get that sound immediately. And so there's not much things to do uh, afterwards, but the, um, in the mixing process, I would say uh, EQing is very crucial. Uh, and to get the guitar sound good, you have to make sure the, the other instruments support your guitar. So uh, if you have a bass guitar with a lot of like uh, Treble frequencies and things. It, it might start like uh, battling from the same space, kind of like the arrangement thing. Um, and for the, but but if not, that's not the problem, I would say the the basic guitar sound. I'm really picky about the the EQ, uh, and uh, I use uh, these kind of like uh, I I kind of uh, take these ten band waves eQs and I tr- I seek for frequencies that kind of tend to uh, resonate is that yep. the right word yep absolutely. so uh, if there's something like uh, kind of certain frequencies I try to tame those down a little bit and once you tame down not not totally cut those out this is something that you have to kind of do and and, and learn to do otherwise you might if you cut out all the frequencies that tend to sound like they resonate, what you end up having is totally dead, totally weird guitar sound. But if yep. you do it with a little bit of uh, take it easy and don't cut absolutely everything out, you might, what happens when you cut a little bit of those ringing resonating frequencies is, is that your guitar suddenly starts to sound like really solid and clear. It kind of feels like you almost started playing more sharper and, and more, more solid. Once you yeah. got the frequencies, that kind of uh, mess with the whole thing. Once you get those taint out a little, yeah, it, it it sounds way much better. And there's one plugin that I really love. It's actually Finnish. They're not paying me. I don't know even the guy. Uh, I yeah. know that this guy who does it. Um, have a lot of common friends. But uh, there's a plugin called Sooth. Uh, I can't remember the the name of the company, but this Soothe plugin does like, it automatically uh, searches for these resonating frequencies, and you can smoothly adjust kind of these, kind of taint them automatically. It's great plugin for speak, vocals, snare drum. Yeah, With the guitar, it's absolutely wonderful. Acoustic guitar, absolutely wonderful. Like a miracle machine that kind of if you put it all the way, you will get like a, almost like a white noise kind of kind of even like paced out frequencies. It doesn't yeah. sound good at all. But if you just smoothly put a little bit of that, it kind of uh, um, does dynamic kind of uh, frequency controlling for you, and it's 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 wonderful. Uh, it saves a lot of hours. Uh, mm-hmm. Of doing everything manually. I might yep. still do some frequencies manually, uh, but the yep. the sooth, it's a great plugin Move. for that. I'm gonna have
0: to check that out. I'm gonna have to check yep. that out. But you nailed it on the head. Mixing is all about pulling out resonant frequencies. Um, do you... something makes me think that you may have seen a recent mixing seminar by Bob Power where he talks about removing resonant frequencies. Is that where you got that? Do you know the the mix of Bob no. Power? Who, who, who the guy? Who's the guy? Bob, Bob Power. He's American. Okay. I, I
1: think, I don't think I've seen that one. No. Yeah. But he, I would love was at to a, see a, that.
0: Yeah. He was at a MixCon recently and he did a big thing. And, and his whole thing was, and man, he's got, he's an amazing mixer. Um, his whole thing was finding what the resonant frequency of a particular um, instrument is pulling that out and then being able to turn that instrument up louder Um, and removing all the top end and low end that doesn't need to be there, which is standard stuff that a lot of people aren't aware of, but um, yeah, high pass and low pass filtering filtering goes a long way. Um, Yeah. You know, you know, where I learned a lot of production, what pricked my ears up to production on guitars. um, Now you mentioned Eatem and Smile. For me, Mm. Spice skyscraper was the album that came out around about the time I was learning to play guitar. And yeah, I is. would sit there with um, with headphones on listening to Steve Vai's production on his guitar. And that's where I learned about double tracking, triple tracking sometimes and just yeah, that's, the that's, different that's sounds amazing. and everything. Um, now, this leads me onto something. And uh, I had Sammy on here a, a week or two ago. We had a good old chat. And I brought up the fact that when we went to have dinner one night the night when your dinner came out really late oh yeah <laughs> yeah sammy was across the table from me and you were on the other side of me and within about 10 minutes of each other you both told me the story that you had guitar text for steve Vai. and yeah, funny thing. and it was really funny because when you were to tell me i'm thinking man you just told me this 10 minutes ago and then i thought now, hang on. That was Sammy. He was telling me about it, Sweetwater. And yours was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. hear
1: that. That, uh, yeah, by Sammy. Sammy before that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah you said. Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: So, so how did that come about? How did you tech for Steve White? Tell us about that experience. Uh, well, it was.
1: Uh, I know the promoter guy who arranged the uh, masterclass, and uh, for some reason, he asked me like very last minute, like few two three days before that uh, masterclass, that if I would like to come do the guitar tech for Steve, and uh, I was like, what, why, Uh, no. (laughs) It's like, uh, it sounded like, uh, you know, I'm not a guitar tech, except for myself, and and I'm not like that type of person. But I thought, well, what the heck, if this goes totally, if I mess it up totally, well, at least I'm not messing up my career, because I am not, planning a career on guitar (laughs) teching, and also this is kind of great, great uh, opportunity to uh, kind of uh, uh, interact with Steve as well, so it would be very interesting, it could be very interesting. Actually, I met Steve like 10 years ago uh, during all those, um, I got a, thanks to his webmaster at those days, I got a free ticket to those like meet and greet kind of uh things that he was holding and uh that was very awkward i didn't like the experience at all uh, i think uh steve felt very uh distant there were like three guys there me plus two other guys and steve in this meet and greet so he wasn't like a huge mass event it was it felt very awkward for me
0: okay
1: and uh and um and uh, I didn't feel, you know, my exp- the idea of the way I felt Steve, I, I kind of felt very weird uh, after that. And then, um, but now when I met Steve and I was their uh, guitar tech, he seemed like very different. He was like really uh, like a nice human being suddenly, very different type of person that I met 10 years back. And uh, it was a super, uh, super cool, like... Uh, moment. The, the funny thing was I was there setting his pedal board and amps and everything uh, before he entered the, the venue and I had There was things like he had a preamp the his uh, the What's the brand the uh, well Steve ice preamp the, his signature model uh, and he wanted
0: Are you talking, is yep. this old is this like the old um, Carbon or Synergy? Did yeah, it was
1: the carbon the preamp version of carbon. Yeah, yeah, and and he, he had kind of had the instructions, how to set it up, uh, the, 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 uh, the radar, and uh, I, it was instructed that I would take the preamp, put it to next to the cabinets, and the power amplifiers, and then have a remote controller, foot switch for the preamp. But then there was, uh, there were like several foot switches that was um, delivered to the venue, none of them worked with the this preamp. So I had to actually set the preamp right next to his other bus pedals, the, the pedal board, because he would still be able to use it as normally. It was just putting it in a different place than planned. And it was funny, he came here like, this is supposed to be there, saying that to me, like the, the preamp has to be there. Like, Sorry, Steve, not today, because. Like, uh, I felt very, uh, it was very um, nice moment to kind of like, just being as professional as I could be, like, just telling, sorry, Steve, today, this is the solution, because, blah, blah, blah. And he would accept that as it is, and and kind of, uh, also, he had I think he had a lot of um, noise coming from the pickups, and I suggested him, I had, like, my noise suppressor pedal with me, and I just thought, well, would you like to try this uh, this one out? But he was, no, no, thank you. Afterwards, he, he, he was playing there. And are you still sure you don't want that noise suppressor? <laughs> because I thought I, I would really like to have it there. And no, it it sucks my tone now, though, something that he said. It was like, a, well, I, I, I kind of respect that. It's a personal kind of thing. But it was um, it was super cool uh, to do that thing. And also I, I, i made sure that his guitars are, I didn't need to do much anything, but just made sure everything is set when he enters the station. And if there's any strings breaking, I would change the strings for him, uh, during the masterclass. And after the, the actual masterclass, everything went really well. I, I went knocking to his, um, his room and, uh, I brought him some uh, local honey because I knew no he's a honey uh, beekeeper kind of guy oh, cool. so I, I brought so I brought him a little bit of that and uh, actually told him all, all about this all, all my history of the fast finger thing and uh, how we met ten years before and, and my experiences and everything it was it was super cool and also we talked about the influences like um, uh, well actually what I told told him was, that uh, uh, during that meet and greet thing, uh, he had his guitar there, and uh, I uh, I played something uh, for him there, and he had he had seen Mr. Fastfinger website, and he had something he said something to me like, uh, "You nailed my guitar tone or my playing perfectly," and uh, and what I felt after that like that kind of, you know, left, that was left in my, inside my head for for days and weeks and years. And what was, what I felt like, uh, that's not what I want to do. I, I don't want to nail Steve I's tone or sound perfectly.
2: Yeah.
1: I want to be me. Yep. And, uh, I, st- I just started sitting down and figuring out ways to, you know, do something else. Uh, that that was a huge inspiration uh, for me to um, really get out of the this sound that that I had gotten from Steve or other guitar players and try to kind of find my own voice. Him this thing uh, now uh, when I did this guitar tech thing like one year ago and uh, we talked about all the influences and he's like Frank Zappa. Being his influence and things, and it was a really really cool chat with him. Uh, maybe I don't know, 15 minutes or something, 20 minutes. And uh, uh, it was one of the best days of my my my, you know, uh, one of the best uh, moments in ever. Like uh, just like talking with Steve, like uh, about those things. It was pretty amazing. So I'm um, I'm really yeah. thankful that I was able to do that guitar thick. Thing it kind of really gave me a lot of good spirit. That, cool. That whole cool. Experience.
0: Now, I when I first heard Mr. Fastfinger, I I actually thought it was Steve Vai. I thought yeah that man that this whoever this is has totally nailed Steve Vai's licks uh, and tone etc. Just just the way he gets around just that. You said it earlier, man. He's just not like anybody else, is he? He's just this otherworldly. Yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what, um, and um, what I want to ask you is, how did you learn all those little Steve Vai cliches that were in the, the original Mr. Fastfinger licks? Because there was a few things there that, that I learned um, that were very much Steve Vai licks that, that he plays quite a lot. How did you work those out? Did somebody show you those, or did you work them out yourself? It, it was
1: mostly it was mo- mostly worked out on my own. I would um. I don't think I learned too many songs. Probably the only song that I really learned from be- beginning to the end was Sisters. And and also a couple of maybe a couple of Daily Roth songs from it, Mm Smile probably I learned from beginning to the end. Then I was just. Other than that, it was just learning solos and and parts and riffs and blah blah blah. Uh, but during those days when when I was really hungry for learning all all everything on guitar, not not just the, but all all the George Lynch solos or Marty Friedman solos, there were it was like early 90s. The tablature books and uh, tablature material material was really limited at least in Finland there wasn't so many books available or at least I wouldn't have that much money to buy them all so uh many times uh I would just need to you know learn it from the records and uh figure out I had like a boss this multi-effects thing and then tape recordings and I figured out a way to slow music down and kind of pitch it up back to the original pitch and all these weird things to uh figure out fast licks and and uh like all the crossroads licks I, I just slow it down. I, I record it from the VHS tape and and then up to a cassette and then slow it down somehow and and repeated those all those I can't remember there but the, the kind of like similar things that uh he plays on uh the uh, how does it go? <laughs> Uh, big trouble. Uh, feels very. I haven't warmed it up. Uh, warmed up at all. So it, it kind of. Sc- sc- uh, it's scary to play. I, I know what you're saying. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, let's yeah. stop it here. Yeah.
0: Uh, but you I know, know that you, link. Uh It gets like that, doesn't it? You need to actually warm up.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of chilly here, actually. So it's kind of. Yeah. yeah that's more in the <laughs> yeah, yeah. kind of thing yeah yeah it's easy yeah. because it's on one just one string yeah but it's um but it was for me uh, when i was um 14 15 i would just practice one lick for easily for one hour just put the yeah, metronome right. clicking yeah. slow and then just just the Paul Gilbert. Kind of like doing that for um, one hour and it felt very, very nice to me. I enjoyed that. Just uh, always kind of uh, try to find the moment where I could play with that tempo and then raise it up a little bit faster and then try to nail that, make it comfortable and relaxed and raise it up a little bit faster and faster and faster. And it was kind of like, it is kind of like a meditation or something. It kind of feels, you don't have to think about it anymore. It's just like trying to play it. No worries in the world. Just play there. Absolutely. Lick over and over again. Loop yeah. it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the start. I've had a bit of trouble in recent years with RSI uh, and tendonitis. Yeah. And I think it was when I started sitting down trying to learn some old licks and just doing that repetitiveness. And when you get old up, your body's not so good at that. Uh,
1: yeah I know
0: I I did see a couple of questions in the chat room um, going by we were talking about recording and um, Gabor wanted to know um, do you use uh, pedals to get sounds or do you use plugins for your delays etc and reverbs
1: um, I use both I well I have my pedal board here right on my feet and uh, um, Usually, it is actually a combo. Um, uh, For example, here today, I kind of simulate the kind of thing that I would do on, uh, if I would record in real life. So I might have like a, have have the DD500 Boss here that I can control with my uh, expression pedal, the volume and everything. But then um, I might still have another like a delay here in the mix that kind of... This is all mono for my main guitar rig. So when I'm mixing with the Cubase, I have a stereo delay that kind of creates this ping pong kind of thing, uh, left right. And also um, I might record if I want more ambient kind of sound. (laughs) have it this is all from the pedal board. but then I might just add like a stereo. just like a, just add things on top of each other. And, and usually that sounds actually much better than trying to get things from one one uh, piece of of delay or reverb. just putting different brands of, of delays on after on top of each other and after each other. And th- what's cool about the Boss 500, DD500, it has like two different delays already, so putting that and uh, reverbs, two reverbs, and this actually had three delays. It's a lot together with kind of uh, everything works on top of each other and together it kind of creates, uh, I don't know, uh, as long as you don't do too much delay on your mono recorded signal, you can always add a little bit more, I think.
0: I've actually gotten used to using reverbs and delays and reverbs and multiple ones lately. Um, And it was when I got the Moa uh, Ocean Machine pedal. Um, Oh yeah. I sold that recently. I sold that was something I sold to help fund the the Germany trip. Um, but having two delays and a reverb built into that um, was really cool. And that's something I've been doing a lot is actually feeding my delays into reverbs. Not so much just for guitars, but for anything. You know, it works well on on vocals and things like that. You know, to have that nice ping pong delay, but then having those yep. feed a reverb as well, and then just adds this nice lushness that doesn't really come from a particular place, but just comes from all around. It's, a, it's an interesting sound.
1: Yeah, and it, because there is no rules how you're supposed to use these. Uh, I, I used to record very dry, and uh, I think the first two Mr. Fastfinger albums, maybe the, probably the EP as well after that, actually maybe the third album as well, I mostly recorded dry, and I didn't use delay even... When uh, recording, like as monitoring delay or anything, what happens is if if I play, if I improvise or play uh, lead guitar and things, uh, I easily overplay. I kind of fill in every hole. But if I have a delay and things, it kind of uh, makes me uh, relaxes me to have a little bit longer notes and and have breaks between the notes because the delay and reverb can fill, kind of create that ambience. If you play all the notes all the time, there's no space for the for the effects to take take place. As you know,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: So uh, it has affected my playing. Having the pedal board and and these effects on it kind of actually has helped my playing to become more uh, more spacey. It's I think it, I think it's only a good thing. Yeah,
0: yeah. Now we, we were talking about Steve Vai before, and and I think uh, actually my he was probably the first guy that I really sat with headphones and listened to the way he used delays as well. Um, I'm thinking maybe the solo in like Hot Dog and a Shake, there's a section in that where it sort of goes up high and then it sort of comes out of that and it comes in with a long long delay over that. Yeah, and the
1: the long feedback, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it starts feedback,
0: harmonizing yeah. against itself the way Steve Vai would, would typically do um yeah that's very
1: uh yeah it's a very dramatic solo yeah
0: absolutely absolutely um and i actually read him say that there's that part of it where he's playing and it goes (laughs) and it's like starts back up again apparently i don't know if you've read this story it was in guitar player magazine it must be true he was recording it it went through his head that van halen were playing down the road he went screw this and he got to see van halen and he went no i'm gonna finish the solo and just kept going and that's that split second of thought where it goes blood, 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 and kicks back in,
2: <laughs> um,
0: yeah. But also, speaking of Steve Vibe, I was having a look around on YouTube the other night, and I saw a video of him playing with Paul Gilbert, and and he seemed he seemed a little intimidated at first to be playing with Paul Gilbert because Paul Gilbert's the kind of guy that's going to stand there, especially now as he's gotten older. And play blues, blues licks
2: to Yeah, suck yeah, you cool. in.
0: But you know that that motherfucker can at any moment just turn around and fucking take your head off with just the most shreddiest thing you've ever heard, played the most cleanless you've ever heard. And you've actually been thrown in the deep end and had to jam with Paul, haven't you?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You saw the video?
0: <laughs> I've seen the video. I've seen the video.
1: That was, that was a bit scary. That. Yeah, that was scary. And tell us a bit about
0: it, Mika. Yeah. Well, um,
1: uh, what can I tell? Uh, I, I met uh, I, I the same promoter guy uh, arranged that as well, and um, so I, I knew that them like before. I, I, I agreed to do that jamming thing um, a long long time before that event, and then uh, that day when, when that day arrived, I was scared. I I spent the whole day just working, uh, plus playing at home, just to kind of warm up. Uh, the, obviously, I had no idea. He, he keeps changing the the jam tracks. You never know what he wants to jam on, what kind of chord progressions, what kind of, what's it going to be like. So there was no way to kind of know that, okay, it's going to be blues or blues progression, 12 bar or something. I kind of tried to prepare for, for it, but uh, at the same time, I knew there's no way to prepare for that. Then I, I went to the went to Helsinki and I met met uh, not Steve but Paul there um, shortly before that and uh, he said like well there's two diff there was going to be two jams and and there's this the other jam is going to be uh, ACDC I think Highway to Hell or some other song from uh, ACDC and then uh, or this other other song with these chords and. Uh, that goes like blah, 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 this. And I never never had heard the song that he described as the other one, but I felt that if I would do the ACDC, that would be kind of boring and not inspiring for me. It kind of, uh, it's more riff based kind of thing. The other, other one sounded like it's going to be a harmony kind of, some kind of chorus that could inspire. So I picked that one out. And um, then, uh, that was it for the preparation. Uh, they uh, he, he started his clinic and then at some point he, uh, you know, called me in and I went there and I never had touched the amplifier. It sounded absolutely horror, horror horrible to my taste. And the I had one pedal that didn't rescue the thing at all. I had like overdrive pedal, and um, then he just went there and and. Um, It was kind of scary but i kind of somehow survived that like uh the funny thing was that all the paul gilbert ish licks that i had learned or anything there was no way i could play any of those in that moment it was like everything of that part of my playing would be cancelled out like out of phase kind of effect when things just get sucked out. So I couldn't play any Paul Gilbert kind of thing. No way. So I, I had to trust my trust on other things. But what I was very, very um, uh, proud of myself in that moment was that I decided and one thing that they, the kind of typical mistake is it's it was going to be like this phrasing kind of thing. Of Paul plays I don't know four eight bars, then I play the four eight bars, kind of like this trading thing. So uh, one thing that I decided that when Paul is playing, I'm not going to start planning what I'm going to play next. Instead, I decided that I'm going to listen to the very last note before I start playing, and I, then I just start playing. So I, I kind of had that that setting in my head not to rush anywhere, you know, because it it's always going to end up sounding unmusical. So uh-huh. um, and I was able to do that with Paul there, and uh, I, I I felt very uh, proud of myself because of that. Uh, even though uh, I haven't been able to watch that jam myself completely, afterwards I don't I don't want to do that. I've seen maybe half the way, and I, that's enough for me. It's it's just too hard. Uh, but I I, th- I was brave enough just to put it out there public, so people could you know watch that kind of expose yeah. myself there. But, uh, but I also, by the way, I did jam with Steve during the sound check. There's oh, no video really? of that. So cool. I had that experience with Steve as well. And uh, that was super cool. What happened there was at some point, uh, I would play something and then Steve would pick from there and he would actually try to play what I just played. Yeah. Maybe not quite able to do it. And kind of like, so it, with with steve it it was more interactive i think paul was kind of playing uh i don't know uh different ways I, i don't know how to say but but steve was more listening and more in in kind of like like following uh following also my playing way much more interactive so it was uh it was very uh cool and inspiring and and uh uh, felt very good about that jam as well even though the jam track was just like some jungle drums and I'm like oh what what was what are you supposed to play on top of such a backing track but anyway it was it was still very uh very interesting a cool the jam with Steve like no no audience just a couple of guys some friends were, were there and and so on but that was uh that was, I felt incredibly at home there i was incre- i was i was uh Stunned how much it felt like, how natural it kind of felt that moment.
0: Yeah, cool, cool. We just got a couple of comments there. Um, uh, One was when I picked up my guitar before. uh, Mo said, "Rick versus Mika, go!" and I said, "No." (laughs) Um, (laughs) Now also Gabor is asking, "Do the effects ever inspire you as a songwriter?" Or are they more an afterthought to add some ambience to the playing? What's your take on that? Um,
1: They do affect. I think tone in general and instruments affect. And I like that kind of thing. Um, um, I think sometimes you just find uh, a certain delay or something. And... um, it kind of makes you play in different way. Uh, it's, it's but it's especially when improvising, having those effects on. It kind of like I said, it relaxes me. Mm. And the, then there is like the um, the uh, if you have some special effects and things uh, like put on a chorus, flanger, or something. It might you know make you know, resonate something in your. In, your, in yourself and the freak out pedal that I, I showed you before we started the whole uh, the whole uh, this stream is like uh, having the really play like that without that effect or actually for some reason i didn't have much of these delays on if i now play with the delay have way much more more wet sound let's hear
2: that okay
0: That sounds
1: absolutely amazing. You have this uh, uh, with the DD500 I have this uh, at, on ES5 which is the MIDI controller I have this button that is programmed to put on a hold on the other delay that I have here it's like a two different delays happening and and kind of keeps looping on and off then I use the expression pedal to to set the volume for that that uh, that kind of uh, that sound that I create that, that loops there so I can put oh. it kind of fade in and out that yeah uh, it's kind of super super in, in inspiration inspirational and interesting it's kind of a little bit just confusing I'm not always sure when it's on and when it's not <laughs> now it's not now it's on. Let's put it on. So I can I can put it out and take it back. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. And
2: that's
0: it's, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So what have you got on the floor there? What, what pedals have you got in front of you?
1: Um, well, it goes. The first one is that freak out, so I can do that.
0: So just for people who don't know, the freak out it, is it, it, it incites feedback in your guitar, doesn't it? It, it makes your guitar. Yeah, feedback. it kind of
1: it it creates the kind of feedback uh, kind of effects. Uh, you can have you can set like set like different. Uh, harmonic octaves are for the uh... wow it's kind of cool like that yeah it
0: sounds Is like that Setting, or does it does it do
1: that? Does it cycle through the different? No, no. I, ju- I just went through the different settings. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. But normally you can't do that without having the other hand there. But it kind of that's a cool idea. So I might do that um, from now on in some recording yeah, or something. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Kind of.
1: What's the uh, Steven Spielberg film with the UFOs coming on?
0: Ah, oh, close encounters. Yeah. It
1: get, had had a little bit of that sound.
2: Yeah,
1: because with this, you can also create the kind of uh, like recorder flute kind of thing, which we all love a great deal. We all love this. Sorry about that.
0: Wow, that
1: sounds cool. That sounds cool. <laughs> it doesn't. Uh, yeah, you can do some uh, unwanted noises with this as well. But anyway, it, it freak out this first one because I kind of find it. It's it's great to be able to do it, even for live. <laughs> uh, and and uh, there are several songs on my new album, and, and where I just it's part of the game. It's part of the. Uh, the uh, whole thing that I, uh, when I create something like the, the kind of uh, sounds. Wow. And, um,
0: so, then, well, have you, are you using a whammy pedal as well? Is that just the freak out pedal?
1: That's just the freak out, no whammy. Wow, okay. I don't have a whammy. Anyway, yeah, freak to out goes out. to my, yeah, freak out goes to my ES5 which is the effects controlling system switching. It's a looper, you have you can have different loops for different pedals. And um, in one first loop, I have forest green compressor uh, um, by Matt Professor, Crate Compressor. Well- Which one is that, but... sorry? Which compressor? Uh, it's called Forest Green Compressor.
0: Okay, I don't know
1: that one. It's by Matt Professor, yeah, they, okay. the company. Yeah. Uh, good quality, uh, very uh, musical compressor. Anyways, and um, that's I, I have it always on with my clean. So it can without this little bit of treble boost and uh, kind of like a side mixed. What's the like blends in a little bit of compressed signal to my my typical dry. So I can. This is my single then I just can mix in the more compressed more louder single there. Kind of like uh, taking a little bit of my overly compressed playing style and putting it little under more control. That's the the meaning of that okay. pedal. And a little bit more juice. and um, then um, on loop number two there's a Tube Screamer mini uh, and uh, then I have a tuner here. Then,
0: uh, what's your choice of tuner?
1: Uh, I have a Sonic Research uh, Turbo Tuner. Uh, it's I need a small one, so this is this is the mini version, very small, so it kind of fits yeah. my pedal board because it's so. I can show you the pedal board. Why not?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Some heavy lifting, but I don't know. Oh, nice. So, uh, yeah, so this is the freak out. Yep, uh, this is the forest green. Okay, the loop one of this. Second loop is tube screamer. Yeah, and uh, yeah, then there's the tuner, of course. And uh, loop number three is actually it first goes to my fuzz free. Uh, what the is that noise suppressor. That's okay. a noise suppressor from yep. Boss. I just okay. call it fuzz free because it looks cooler that way. Then, uh, from this loop, this signal goes to a uh, Little split, I don't know mm. how to pronounce that. Lil, little, little, uh, and that goes to uh, that goes the signal goes to my uh, preamp of Hughes and Kettner Deluxe 40. Yep. And uh, from there, the effect loop sends the signal to my Boss uh, DD 500. Yep. And then the signal goes back to the looper, and uh, in loop number five, the last loop, I have a dine. Oh wait a second! There's loop number four, which has Miku for the uh, for the this this pedal is mainly here for the spirit and it kind of keeps the whole pedal board together. Without this, probably the whole thing. Yeah, I'm gonna stop the you gun. there.
0: Is that is that that crazy chord pedal that just does? Yeah, and... just, you've got yeah, one. I have a. <laughs> I, have one. I have one. It's it's
1: here uh, and uh, we have a song called Miku which uh, <laughs> it's also a live number, so it has to be there. Otherwise, we can't play that song. Oh,
0: dude, you, you have to play that. You have to play that that pedal for our viewers because if they don't know what that sounds like, it is the most useless pedal in the world. Um, no, it is useful. And it does it, one it, thing. <laughs> well, it does not many
1: things, many, many different uh, words you can pronounce. And then there's, uh, in the same loop after this, there's actually... I dual chorus, which is an old Ibanez pedal. I have a crush for these, this seri- series of Ibanez pedals. Oh yeah. Um, this was my very first one actually was originally my brother's. Okay. My, the very first pedal, this was probably both in 88 or something for my yeah. big brother originally. Yeah. And, uh, this is from the same, almost the same era. This is actually yep. a little bit older and it does chorus and flanger. It has oh, like cool. a two it has one heart but two controls kind of thing
0: yeah
1: yeah then um, so I never need to use these together so I just use this or this
0: okay know,
1: but it's and then last loop is dynamic um, no dynamic the reverb for yeah. um, boss Rv6 I think okay and the other one other things are just this is like um Anytime I want, I can put the chorus loop on, the loop 4. Unless the Miku is on, that's trouble then. But <laughs> usually, this is always typically on. Okay. So I can anytime, with any any preset I have here, I can just put the, the chorus or flanger on. And this does, this puts the looper here on. So I can have a looper with my DD500. Okay. So I have Rec, Play and, and Stop here and on and off, and expression does many things depending on the preset here. And then there's like this button with this certain preset, I can do that, like uh, pedal, uh, create that infinite reverb loop kind of thing. Cool, cool. So uh, it has many functions, it's all MIDI. The ES5 is super, super great for, you can program just about anything uh, with it, so. It's a great, great unit, not just for looping, but controlling the amp, but also controlling other MIDI devices.
0: Oh, cool. Okay. But so, you wanted um, to hear the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It plays the... the what, I forget what it's called. The, was it Miku? It's a weird pedal. Why are you setting that up? I'm just going to share the story that when I was just starting to play guitar, you said that the Ibanez pedals belong to your brother. I have a friend... Yeah. Um, when I was learning to play guitar, who had an older brother um, who had yep. all the guitar gear, he was he was in the army, so he was away a lot of the time. We'd sneak in his brother's room and he had all those Ibanez pedals. Um, yeah, and cool. yeah, I remember playing with some of those, and they were really cool. <laughs> all right, go for it, mate. Uh, let's.
2: you mm-hmm.
1: It has a really cool riff. But what's cool about Miku is when you like kind of like sing through it for a while is uh, When you listen to that voice you can well it has a certain sound but when you hear a guitar sound after that, it sounds extremely good. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, it has that effect every time we play. I, I was basically playing that Miku song. The melodies from that song, the verses, and and uh, uh, every time you get to the real guitar tone after that, it sounds so ah. Oh, it's it's just uh, like a, like a release. Yeah. So, uh,
0: uh, but G- Gabor's yeah. saying that he's got one on his pedal board as well and somebody just oh. that's my friend gene saying it's b for guitars do you know what b is i'm just having a look at my phone to see if i have it yeah the b app right the the little robot app yeah, yeah totally totally so it is very much like b um yeah kind of yeah
1: it has a little bit of that the tonal quality for sure it yeah, does, yeah.
0: Doesn't it? yeah 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 classic so uh mika you're a, a hughes and Ketna kind of guy
1: yeah, I've been playing with you using Ketner rugby There, with using Kettner since 2006 or something. I've I've been really uh, with these with this company for a long time. Oh, yeah. nice,
0: nice. I just got my first using Kettner recently. It's right behind me there. Yeah,
1: Blackberry 200 head. I have right? a Black yeah. yeah,
0: it's all backwards. Trying to do this. <laughs> that actually that that fit in my suitcase after 42 gear Street. Did I just say that? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. But uh, no, Richard, um, very graciously, let me take one of those. Um, Perfect. I'm probably going to use it this weekend. I've got a couple of gigs doing some fill-ins with two different groups and I think I'm just going to take that and um, just try running it direct. I'm going to try using the, the red box out. Um, yeah. See how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I do yeah. like the, the the ease of programmability with a foot, with a midi foot controller. Uh, yeah. the red box out. Yeah. I'm keen to give it a, a try this weekend.
1: Yeah. Well, um, like if you've seen any of my, uh, my videos that i did the, with this or the floorboard, the new floorboard version of this amplifier, which is basically the same sound, just a different format for the amp, the floorboard okay. the uh, version. Um, the, uh, the first clean channel is super, super, uh, versatile and and uh, you can do so much with just that clean channel Uh, and uh, If you haven't seen any of the demos or anything uh, just explore the uh, what's the word for that? Um, Sagging that sagging knob is the key element for it. It does a lot for the sound
0: Yeah, I
1: mean uh, you can get that clean channel sound like it's like a really loud rocking amplifier It's not a clean channel anymore. Yeah, right. Okay.
0: Yeah, when Richard took me through the amp, that was the thing that I remember being really uh, stoked about was the actual the sagging, um, which yep. yeah, just sounds like a, a tube amp, valve amp, um, really pushing and getting that sound where it's... it's
1: yeah, it ha- it gives you that kind of really uh, exploding kind of amplifier sound and feeling to your... It, it, you, you can feel it in your playing for sure. Yeah,
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally.
1: Wonderful totally. amp, yeah. yeah.
0: So, with the, the new album just coming out, um, have you got some touring ahead of you? You're going to be playing some shows in support. Um, what, what's the plan? No, not really.
1: Uh, well, we just had a, like a record release gig in just uh, local local gig, but the, the the problem is, I'm well. There's no such audience there. It's very hard to go deco- go anywhere and find your audience. This is very small audience kind of music, and uh, it's it would be uh, very Expensive to get got get out of outside of Finland. We're kind of isolated too.
2: Yeah,
1: but um, If this somehow starts picking up, hopefully things start to happen It becomes more possible, but right now I don't really see that possible What we are kind of planning to do is is uh, I hope to do it uh, within the next month or something is Just do a, like a stream live gig with the band where we would do a like a full set or some kind of uh, set just uh, for for the YouTube like a real live stream kind of thing, that would yeah, be right. super yeah, cool. Yeah. I would yeah. love to do that. Yeah,
0: and that is very doable now. It's a it's a, a big thing. Um, yeah, be able to stream. Yeah. Shows, yeah, it is. It is,
1: and and, and uh, we could almost do it every week because with the way we have kind of set up our our system, we have like in ear in ear monitoring thing, and we have like our our own. Uh, Ear, uh mix and everything. So, uh, with our mixer and and the whole setup, we, every time we rehearse at band rehearsals, we have mi- drums miked and everything. It's like a, uh, it's not a huge step to to do it for a little bit more open and have uh, the audience step right in. And but I would maybe like to do this a little bit, little bit higher quality than just like a rehearsal capturing kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah, my my place here is really a really good setup. I've toyed with the idea of doing some live stream uh, gigs and stuff out of here um, Yeah, yeah, it'd be cool. really really cool um, Now at 42 gear Street, you saw the guitar battle that I hosted between uh, Sammy and Tom Crowell, yeah?
1: yeah? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I haven't seen the, the video, but I saw what I saw there in the in the room.
0: Yeah, Okay, we really wanted you in on it as well. I wanted, I wanted a. I was going to say I wanted a three-way between the three, the three of that sounds a bit, bit kinky, um, but unfortunately, <laughs> we only had with the, the two guys were playing through one app through an AB box. Yep. Um Was the way that you know it's such a last-minute thing that we could get that happening? If there was a way to get a third line in there, man, I really wanted to get you in on there as well. Um, just, yeah, some varying styles, you know, I think everybody would have had different things they could have brought to it, um, well, that next was time,
1: well, yeah, yeah, I don't know, they probably would have kicked the, the hell out of me, but, uh, yeah, it, it was, uh, they, it got pretty wild there,
2: <laughs> with, it did, with it guys. did,
0: so, I mean, and, it, you know, I, um, I was chatting to Tom Quayle just before it happened, and I had a go of his guitar, in the funny tuning, and, um, actually filmed up close just his his picking hand he does that whole hybrid thing of you know holding a pick and using fingers and it's weird man it's like watching a a little spider or something but it's just when you're beside him and you're hearing not the amp sound but the actual percussiveness of his fingers hitting the guitar how accurate his legato is it's like holy crap holy crap uh, it's yeah, lot it's
1: very scary scary seeing that when you when he when he starts going up to this P that it's so uh, for him, it seems so uh, Effortless and natural and and, and easy and brrr,
0: absolutely now mate, the other day um, Don't mind that I, was just, I just hit the wrong button. I did try and hit that button to get me and I just hit the wrong one um <laughs> we were we were chatting via Messenger the other day, and I was on my way to actually go see uh, Pliny, the guitar player Pliny. Yeah, I've been saying his name wrong. I was saying Pliny, but I heard him say Pliny a couple of times. Um, and he was fantastic. I actually Googled to find out what his real name is today, and apparently that's his real name. I didn't know that. I thought it was a, a stage oh, name. Oh, it is? Good. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, man, that was amazing. Nick Johnston was one of the opening acts. Oh, dude, you probably know there was a European guy. A young fella that was on before then. Um, trying to think of his name. yeah, yeah, ya- ya- Jacob. I think it was a Yacob. Can't think oh, of it yeah.
1: I, I can't remember the last name, but I, I think I know who you mean. You know, you know the guy talking Yeah, who's
0: on
1: the cut? Yeah, so, yeah, another
0: yeah.
1: Incredible. It was a great
0: show, but Super- what what struck me is just like um, in this day and age where yeah, you know, I don't know many kids that play guitar anymore. It's you know sort of uh, DJ culture sort of came along and really changed things. Um, but yet there are these amazing young guitar players out there. Um, yeah. Is it a YouTube thing? Do you think these guys are finding stuff on YouTube and learning, or are they are they disciples of the fast finger? Was it the fast finger? Did they catch your sight and learn some cool tricks? Who's the who's, like, who's, who's the the new guard of players that you really like, right? Sorry. Who? What what's the new the new players that you really like? New guitar players that are around? Anybody I'm the worst,
1: worst, worst guy when you start asking like that. Okay. Uh, oh, it's hard. Okay, for me I'll bring up a
0: couple of guys that yeah. that uh, I've come across lately. Um, do you remember Thomas McRoughlin?
2: Yeah. Yeah. He's Remember a great from the ads? He's Have you seen him player. playing
0: in recent years?
1: Yeah, yeah. He's a cool. He's he has a very cool musical stuff happening now.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, it was quite a novelty when he was a kid, trying to dress up like Steve Vai and all that, and sort of being taken under Vai's wing. Dropped off the yeah. face of the earth for a good twenty years, thirty years, and then he's yeah, just true. And now life. he came and, back. Yeah. Yeah, and I met him at NAMM, and he was just a really nice English. Chap, you know, it's funny, some of these these English guys, they're just really nice, even if they're pissed off, just the way they talk, it, it, it's so polite. Um,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. Thomas, um, Doug Rappaport, have you come across Doug Rappaport online?
1: Have you heard of him? I don't think. Yeah, I know the name, but I can't call, um, um, it's hard for me to connect.
0: Sure. So, he, he's, I first come across him doing some Friedman demos, Um in the early days of the Friedman amps, uh, he's the guitarist in the Edgar Winter Edgar Winter group, and um, oh. yeah, man, he's got yeah. fire. He's got the chops, but the soul. You know, it's very hard to find guys that have got those both. Um, yeah, any any other new guitar players you can think of um, that that you've come across lately?
1: Well, um, I, oh, honestly, I don't follow that much all these. Guitar players, I I see I see those guys on on uh, all the all the time on Facebook and everywhere. But it's still like I don't know. I don't listen to that much the, the guitar music to be honest, which is kind of a, I feel almost guilty. Okay, I'm kind uh,
0: of the same. What do you listen to? What
1: do you listen to? Well, well, for the last two three years, if you listen to my new album, you will appear that I've been listening to a lot of uh, like film score music. Especially yeah. from the uh, from the uh, '80s and and, and uh, what I've been listening to a lot is kind of like anti shreddy or fast guitar kind of music that kind of uh, calms calms me down. Many times, many times when I listen to music, it's like uh, I want it want to have an effect that it kind of calms me down, especially if I'm it's in the middle of the day. Um, so, uh, like this summer, I found this one, uh, Japanese composer who composed music in the eighties and nineties as well, but his best stuff is from the mid eighties. It's like these, you'd call it sort of ambient, but it's more like environmental music that has, um, it's kind of the kind of music that. Feels like at the same time it's not going nowhere, and at the same time it kind of feels like uh, you dive into somebody else's world inside somebody else's like uh, being. It's it's okay. uh, kind of like uh, I- incredibly simple music, like electronic music, but it, he has a lot of uh, like nature sounds mixed in. But it's yeah, not like of. the typical new age kind of thing it's a little bit different
0: yeah yeah
1: but but that that kind of thing um, I can't remember the name of the composer but if, if somebody's interested I can uh, type it to the comments or something uh, okay. afterwards. but yeah. if I just found his music is kind of really hard to find anywhere but there's some YouTube channel that has put out some some of his music the albums out so that's where I heard that that music
0: Cool. so uh, I was just having a look before around your little studio setup there and if I flick this I can see a bit more in there I'm, I'm assuming there's more that I can't see um, so do you do like commercial recording for for other people like um, is that something that you found yourself doing hey yeah I'll produce an album for you or um, I've
1: done it- that uh, at some point in my life more and not that much lately uh, I think there are other guys think that I would only do uh, like instrumental straight guitar music or something but um, I've done a little bit of that uh, in the past but not that much lately it but um, and also done some like uh, like short film and documentary uh, music scoring kind of thing as well and uh, but mostly, this is being used for, uh, for music production, but also uh, all the uh, like uh, instru- instructional music and whatever uh, project that I do. Uh, I did some uh, like composing for uh, some c- couple of game projects, and it's 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 still quite close to the this, this style of music that I create with Fastfinger, anyway. So yeah, yeah, but but it's very uh, kind of like um, it's a small room, but I have. I try to keep things very simple so uh, I kind of keep the things that I really need which is the amplifier then the cabinet simulation I have one proper uh, preamp for the mic and an EQ a cassette tape recorder of course forehead thing uh, which I used a lot on the new album actually I all the synth sounds were uh, recycled through cassettes. Really? For the sound, uh, so I use this kind of like uh, to give a little bit of extra character and and wipe to the sound. I yeah. have all these, I have all these uh, different tapes that I just use for processing, uh, like uh, somewhere like really worn out AD TDK cassettes and. Wow! This is actually this is actually from my childhood. This chromium dioxide uh, bass cassette. This was always a part of my my childhood. And then there are like uh, better quality like S uh, A S A X uh, T D K. Yeah. But, but I I kind of said this so this is hooked to my Cubase, so I can re- in real time play a track of synth or whatever guitar. Many guitar tracks were. Uh, processed with this as well. So I, I play wow. a track, and I record it right back to my my computer because this yeah. is the three head thing. So I can uh, monitor live uh, while it's recording. I can monitor the the tape sound immediately. It just comes with a little bit of delay because of the 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 record head. Then the tape goes to the play head, and that's the point where I get to listen. So I just compensate the latency with, with my Cubase and I can listen to things real time and use all these like bias knobs or wow. the, how much I want to drive it,
0: like compress yeah. it or overdrive it. And wow. It's, it's that look, is it's some like, so cool, Sorry. That is so cool. So you're saying that you've got different tapes there depending on yeah, different, just, for different sounds. Like you know that this tape yeah. has a certain quality and that one has...
1: Yeah, but for, wow. for example, if you listen to the the album uh, and and this the intro to mystery, this uh the track number three, uh, if you listen to that with your headphones, you hear all these like this low rumble and and these sounds. Uh, you will hear all these dropouts, like really this this cassette has had really nice dropouts in the beginning of the tape. So wow. use the very very beginning of the tape to get all that kind of thing. Uh, and uh, but the synth and also guitars and some percussions really love this uh, treatment that they when they get processed on tape. Yeah. And I, I I just love the cassette sound. I, it's just like a like a special special character.
0: Yeah yeah yeah. Well you know the first album that I ever produced for anybody was for a local group called Thonk. Um, which are a really cool jazz fusion kind of group three-piece. And I get a lot of compliments on that about the drum sound and stuff, and I had no idea what I was doing. That's the only album I've ever recorded to tape. And all I knew was, oh, there's my, oh, my camera just went flat. That's okay. I can fix this by going split screen. Bear with me, mate. I, uh there we go, We're back. I can see you all the time. You, yeah. you can see me, yeah. So I'm back to this camera, the one that I originally had. My, my battery just ran out my other camera. <laughs> oh, okay,
1: I see, I see, yeah. I see.
0: Yeah, but that's okay. That's why I've got the backup. I can I've just go to my one on my computer. So I'm back to looking like a 90s film clip. Uh, yeah, recording to tape. <laughs> recording to tape was an amazing thing. Um, it just smoothed things out. All I knew was to hit the tape hard with drums, and that would give me a little bit of uh, the good kind of compression that I was after. Um so that is genius man I don't know of anybody doing that running a, uh, me, a tape deck Let me so, let me show you something Okay
1: <laughs> This is the real deal uh one of the songs on the new album actually it's on the part 2 that you don't hear except on the CD or yep. uh but this this is like the uh, uh track tape cassette recorder so I can record uh, eight tracks on this. Uh, and uh, there's one song on part two, actually the first song on part two of Mountain Tone that was recorded with this, other guitars and everything. But I was uh, what I did was uh, I just programmed a MIDI synth backing track and I just recorded on two tracks on here and then I had like six tracks for the guitars yeah, and I recorded those, and then I transferred all the eight tracks separately to um, uh, to Cubase, and uh, realized that there's a lot of trouble because the speed goes up and down. So I cr- created like this manual click track, so the bass and drums could be recorded to that, and uh, we had drums and bass come in, and other other stuff, but the the guitars are from the from the cassette that was recorded here and uh on one I also have a like a four tracker there uh somewhere, Yamaha also that I we recorded the drums for one song. It's on part one. It's it's their Ocean of Neon, the last track on the the one the the album now which is on Spotify, the track number eight. We tracked the drums on three tracks on four tracker and the fourth track was just like a mono mix of the backing track. So yeah, I, right. I would so uh, that was uh, drums on tape. That was uh, like uh, I just had gotten the four-track tape recorder. and I got got so excited I wanted to record it. Uh, record some drums with that. Uh, i I think I did a lot of mistakes. It was like I've, the sound wasn't. What I've learned about recording on tape is the more ready your sound is, the better it's going to be. If you want, uh, you know, if you have a sound that needs a lot of, you know. Like eqing things afterwards, uh, you're in trouble. So that that drum recording that we did on tape, afterwards I did like crazy bunch of uh, had all sort of um, beat crush effects on snare and all, all so much plugins that you can imagine. But it sounds I wanted to have like a drum sound that it would sound like electronic drum kit, not like analog, but it's it is it is like a real wooden drum kit. But it has a really uh, kind of uh, interesting feel to it because that was kind of a special song that I wanted to sound different than the the other songs. And uh, that was uh, kind of like exploration kind of experiment with with the drum tracking there. But a lot of acoustic guitars, probably all the acoustic guitars on the album were were, Recycle it through tape. Many guitar tracks as well. Uh, I really like what the tape does to the 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 cassette tape does to the guitar track. It's 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 beautiful.
0: Absolutely. Well, man, yeah, that's. I'm gonna have to try that because I have recorded to tape in the past and know that the, the pleasing effect it has, but I've never thought about using a cassette tape to try and pull that off.
1: Three head cassette deck is a a beautiful thing because you can monitor it real time. Uh, If you have to record and play play it afterwards to record it back to your Cubase or whatever, if you want to do it like that, you face up with a lot of trouble because there's a wow and flutter, that tape runs, the the speed goes up and down all the time. It's a mechanic thing. And you will find that within few bars, your tracks will be totally out of sync. Yeah right. But uh, when you have it like this, you have a proper cassette deck, three head deck. You record and playback the same time. There's there's very little of woe and flutter, and yep. you won't go out of sync. It goes a little bit on and off, but it's kind of very close to it all the time. So you kind of, if you want that wow and flutter kind of thing. Then this is not the right thing, but this is this is great for processing, getting that that certain kind of uh, compression or or saturation or something for the
0: yeah right. character
1: for yeah. the for the for the sonic the sound.
0: Yeah, so didn't but, a lot of guys back in the um, back in the 70s actually use tape machines to drive their amps a bit harder? You know, just the whole booster thing. Wasn't there guys that were actually using? tape recorders, like reel-to-reels to actually boost the front. Do you know anything about that? Have you heard of that? Yeah,
1: well, I, I, is it, it's, I'm, I'm talking I'm about the reel-to-reel. Real, real sure, I, I know that people use that as a delay, like Richie Blackmore always, always had his reel-to-reel tape recorded on, on stage yeah, for the yeah. for the delay thing, but... Um... but I,
0: I thought I heard that somehow they used, used it to hit the front of their amps a bit harder as well, just to to push it, like a like a, a clean boost would. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe I've I heard can... wrong. Maybe I've heard Possibly,
1: wrong. Possible, but I would imagine it creating some late, latencies or delay uh, with your signal if you have a separate record and playhead, which you, I think you need to have if you want to monitor the tape sound. Maybe they use, the, or you, or were they just using the preamp or the kind of thing uh, of the, the I tape? I just
0: the preamp somehow.
1: Yeah, so um, they probably didn't use the actual tape sound. It was just the uh, going through the uh, inputs and outputs. I don't know. I don't right.
0: know. Maybe somebody out there can Google for us. I'm pretty sure that the MXR micro, micro-fet or one of those pedals, one of those preamp pedals, is based on the preamp out of an old tape machine. Oh, If someone's there listening in, they can Google that. I know that just popped into my head for some reason. Maybe a whole bunch of shit just popped into my head. Maybe some Maybe. long recalled <laughs> fact just just came in. So yeah. now, now Mika, I, I've I've had to revert back to my my iCam, uh, my iMac um, camera because I ran out of battery there. But um, your vision looks ex- insanely good. What camera are you using there?
1: Uh this is just like a Canon. Uh, What's it called? Um, it's Legria. I, I, I don't know. They sell it uh, in US and Europe with different names. I'm not sure what it would be called in, in Australia or, or wherever people are. It's called Legria. Legri- Legria. Uh, yeah. It's very old. I bought this in like 2013, I think, or 12. Yeah,
0: right.
1: Okay. I, I, for years, I wasn't using it because uh, with the... Uh, Uh, I have a better camera, but but it's a still camera, so it it works for 20 minutes and then it shuts itself out. And this one, as it's a a real video camera, it it runs for as long as I like. So it's really good for for streaming or Skyping or wherever. I need a solid video that actually stays there without me going back there, pressing buttons every now and then. Uh, yeah, it's. It, I think it's the picture in general, I think it's more about the light than the camera. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: The well, lighting is,
1: is more crucial. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so mate, what, what plans have you got for Mr. Fastfinger? Hello. What was that? <laughs> I just looked away for a second. But
1: just, it, just showing, that's the
0: light. One of the lights. Oh, Okay. Okay. I looked away that's, for yeah, a second fine. and then I looked up and there was a completely different shot. I was like, whoa, what happened? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Plans um, for Mister Passfinger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, is
0: this something that you? Are you got plans for the actual character to do anything else? Um, is it just something that whenever inspiration strikes, you'll take it wherever it goes, or what? What do you got planned? Yeah. Well,
1: at that this moment, I'm 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 personally uh, this this album thing is kind of uh, taking a lot of my uh, my focus right now. But um, personally, I'm I'm really uh, I want to start. Putting more uh, content to YouTube, more uh, instructional content, and uh, obviously uh, content to promote the new album. So there, there, there will be play play through videos and stuff uh, of the songs, and and uh, but with the character itself, uh, I have no big ba- big plans for the uh, for the character itself. But it, he's kind of always there behind me in one way or another it's like uh, kind of like the spirit behind or something uh, I, you know the character itself if, if I want to make it become alive it's always uh, a lot of work you saw the movie, the animating that it, it's a, it's kind of like a years of work to get the yeah, animation running yeah. so uh, so it's not and so if I if I start working on an animated stuff with the character it's it, it means that I have to be uh, kind of like shut things off and go to my corner and and work there for for ages and then come back with something so it's it's not something that I want to do right now right now I've done that with an album uh, two three years it has taken so much focus so right now I just want to you know come out of the the uh, the box a little bit and come to the screens and, and do some more public thing and interact with people. Hopefully, that's that's what I want to do in now. Cool. The next cool. next thing, yeah.
0: So I, I imagine it does take a long time to animate um, all these little things that you've done. Like, um, what is the process in doing something like that? I have no idea, man. I'm I'm just a dumb guitar player, and I feel funny calling myself a guitar player in front of you. <laughs>
2: Why?
1: Why would you do that? Why would you feel like that? Uh, uh, well, the animating thing—it's—it's um, it's a strange thing. It's—it's. It's, well, there are several techniques you can animate things, uh, and and you can animate in so many different levels. But it's in the end, it's just uh, uh, still images that you somehow try to make move in a way that it feels like the character is actually. There, it's actually thinking and working and and being and uh, interacting in 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 when he's you know try to make things alive. Just it's the same thing like when you play a note, that's a still image. But how do you get it? How how do you get that one note? Sing. (laughs) Yeah yeah. I think the, well, obviously, just you can animate by drawing one picture, then you draw another picture where the, the hand is different, in a different position or whatever. Like this is one picture, this is another picture, this is another picture. But I don't know. It's it's to cut it short. How to animate or how to make these things? Yeah, yeah. Happen. So, there's so many many different techniques. Sometimes you just have a still image and then you set points that you kind of move kind of like puppet okay. it, it, it's not it's not that far away from like a moving a puppet in a way yeah. okay uh you can you can move a puppet like this or this and you um the same thing like with notes you you, you might you know if you play a note and then next one here this note it's like the most natural way uh how do you make how do you make it sound like uh, the way you want want it to sound like what's the kind of feel you want to have there the same thing uh, how you walk or how you turn your head or is it like like a robotic kind of thing like <laughs> The, the kind of things, uh, how you animate are exactly the same how you animate your your notes on fretboard to make it sound meaningful and musical and, and natural and kind of support the kind of thing you want to tell.
0: Sure,
1: sure. So it it, it so, almost
0: sounds to me a, a bit like music in the way that there's probably a lot of different tools available to achieve the same thing, but you need to know in your head what it is that you want to achieve before you... Yeah, like yeah, the,
1: the same thing when you have, when you, you can give uh, the guitar player or musician, if you have a musician, who's a real musician, you can, pl- you can, you can give him any instrument, as long as he, he can get some kind of uh, sound out of there, he can make it sound musical, and he, he can make it sound like music pretty quickly, usually. Yeah, uh, but, but uh, because he has the music inside, he has the ability to kind of uh, transform Something that is actually inside the musician somehow transformed and kind of breathed out through the instrument. Uh-huh. The same thing is, I think, the animating. Uh, animating is not about sometimes I'm guilty of this, uh, when there's no time or uh, money or if there's no uh inspiration or you're just in a rush. Uh, but animating is not about moving. Body parts or things—it's—it's—it's it's, it's the same thing like in music. It's—it's it's about the rhythm and the, the how things breathe and and it's all about the, the timing and the movement. Is it like one place, another place? It's you know it's the same thing with exactly like in music. So I think they're they're very uh, both are time-based art. There, there's a beginning, there's an end. Music and yeah. Uh, yeah. Visual, visual arts are, yeah. It's, yeah. there's so so many things that totally link together. I never, st- one thing that I kind of uh, found interesting when I was back in the art school in 2000, uh, I never really took like music lessons. As a kid, I obviously read a lot of uh, guitar magazines and read a lot of book and, and books and, and watched all these instructional videos, blah, blah, blah. But I, I learned a lot about music during the visual arts class in, in, in the design school. Okay. Everything, everything the teacher talked about, shapes and shadows and lights and contrasts and, and all these things, I would always think, think through music. I was always kind of, yeah, that kind of makes sense also sure, in music. Sure. Like, like how, how does this thing apply in music? And and uh, every time I could kind of really be inspired of the things that he would share us with in the visual arts world, and I would always see it in music. Yeah, and that was super inspiring. Um, uh, in then when I started doing the animating thing, I kind of realized it's 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 really about the the uh, the the motion, how, how, kind of like trying to figure out how to make the movements. Uh, Looked like they are natural in that situation, or how how they kind of uh, support the uh, characters.
0: Okay. Now, Mika, you, you, when you moved your camera before, mate, you, you you messed up my split shot. Can you have you got room to move a little to your left? That's better. Yes. Now, I go, yeah. now I can go split screen. and can see both of us again.
1: Uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is this? Um, now, I was going to ask you, when when we were in Germany, we had a great little chat, you, me, and Sammy, about just approaching the fretboard. I've been asking a lot of people lately about how they approach the fretboard. Do you mind sharing with people how you view the fretboard when you're getting around? Because everybody's different. Yeah. Well, What's your navigation? Um,
1: I kind of see it like a three-way thing, uh, three different uh, approaches, I think three. Uh, the first one is, uh, my my number number one thing that I I really like is, is the, um, the kind of first way I learned to play the guitar is, uh, the horizontal way, uh, before I learned to tune the guitar, I could still play melodies on one string because the one string is, well, at least relatively in, in tune. So, uh, one... One of the most important ways for a guitar players, especially if you want to connect with the music you create in your head or heart, uh, is is the one way one way playing thing. And, no. and, uh, and um, this this was basically the I probably said in that video that the first music piece of music that I ever learned was. Uh, hopefully you don't you don't get you don't uh, um, hopefully the YouTube doesn't uh, realize that that was a song by kiss
0: <laughs> So ah, you, you yeah, don't yeah, get that. your
1: monetizing away but that was uh, a little bit loud by kiss uh-huh. uh, the, uh-huh. the first song that I ever learned by ear uh, as a as a very uh, way before I really started playing the guitar uh, yeah. uh, but that well, uh, but it, it was one string, it's, I call this kind of like the caveman way of playing, it's so yeah. simple. And what's great about one string playing is you you see and hear the intervals so clearly, like C major scale. It's right there, you have full steps, half step, full, 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 half step. Yeah. And you can, if you, if you build a triad chord, it's a one, three, five, and eight, the octave. And if you want a seven chord, one, three, and five, and seven, that would be the major seven chord. It's it's uh, everything is kind of uh, the interval jumps are very clearly the way the guitar is tuned. It kind of makes things complex to understand uh, many times for us guitar players, but. When you rely, you're playing on one string. It's very easy to hear uh, how the pitches change and how far you, you know, travel here. Uh, and what I really like about guitar playing is is to challenge myself with sometimes very stupid or kind of silly uh, ways of kind of challenging myself. I like play like one string, one finger kind of thing. And uh, As you might have noticed there's a lot of sliding when you play on on one string and that's one of the things that many guitar players might be uh, afraid of, uh, landing on wrong notes when they slide. (laughs) And even there I might make me kind of slightly unsure note but it's you know once you start doing this horizontal thing you become more confident because you will Practice that sliding thing a lot, and and that's very useful. Um, I will show that later on. But then um, this one string playing also technique wise, if you you can play that in the really fast picking, <laughs> it's very relaxed because you just need to pick things on one string. It so it yeah. has, and when you play on one string, uh, you want you know there's a. These huge jumps, so what you want to start doing is you start finding r- ways to kind of um, uh, Make it easier so you start bending strings, so you don't need to do that jump You don't have to do this so much now
0: yeah. do, do start on. That actually starts taking on the quality of like slide guitar when you start doing that, and that's something yeah, I yeah. notice in my own playing um, when I do try and climb the fretboard on the one string that I start playing lines that sound like a, a slide. Um It actually sounds like. Man, we have this Australian artist over here, which you probably haven't heard of in, in Finland. John Farnham, he was huge in the eighties, nineties. Yeah, he been, you, been. yeah, you know John Farnham. So his guitar player, Brett Garsett. Yep. Don't know if you know yep. of Brett um yep brett uh is very much like you know the the alan holdsworth even tom Quayle style of playing too many notes put a slide (laughs) on his finger so he can't play those notes and oh my god he becomes the most melodic guitar player ever so when it comes to brett gossett i was actually just watching some some videos uh on youtube of him from 86 when i started playing guitar and seeing john farnham on tv and 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 Brett Garst had taken these solos. I, I I watch those every now and then. But the ones that he plays, which are mostly on the one string, using his slide, man, he just becomes so melodic. Uh, and they're the, the memorable solos by him uh, is when you give him that limitation of, okay, let's see a shred with this thing on your finger. Okay, well, let's play some nice melodies. But that's... It- that's exactly why this one-string thing, can
1: be really healthy for, for if you're like a position playing whatever, uh, you're playing all these ready fast licks. For me, this is kind of also the way to focus more on, on vocal-like melodies kind of yep. things. So if I'm playing... Whatever fast stuff, then... It kind of... Uh, I'm still kind of... yeah. You know, actually keeping kind of fast, but it kind of helps me to um, put on a different hat or mode, where I kind of uh, intentionally try to become more like a singer instead of like a, like a fast uh, shredding kind of guy who wants to impress him, himself and maybe some of the other guys in the audience that are also guitar players. So yeah. uh, I think, the the horizontal playing kind of easily slows you down a little bit especially when you start doing that if you never did that if you start doing that now it 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 can be really healthy uh, it's for me the mode when I want to have more musical more vocal like qualities in my playing I, I start going more this direction instead of this direction okay so I, okay. yeah definitely so that makes makes sense the kind of a uh, slight thing yeah, it, it's it's um, yeah, kind of great limitation that kind of forces you to uh, do something else than you would naturally naturally do.
0: Sure, you know? sure. So when you're playing, um, in, in your playing, do you use a lot of modes and, and stuff like that? Um, or um, yeah, is, is that something? Are you into modal playing?
1: Sure, but but why do, should we carry on with the 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 fretboard thing? Oh, the fretboard, yes, 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 sorry,
0: mate. Sorry,
1: I got to check there. We before, yep. before we enter the mode, well, I, I'll go quickly because this is going to take like many days before the stream ends if I, if I never go uh, focus on this. But uh, the, the one string playing is the one thing. The, the yeah. second one, the second step from there is to kind of uh, start playing the mini modes, which would be kind of like the, the two string version of, like having two strings together. So uh, instead of... kind of like uh, stay within the the range of... like that would be one position...
2: but
1: but in general you play with two strings you might play just a pentatonic... And uh, just applying the thing that many many people are, uh, maybe we learned this from Paul Gilbert or somewhere else, but using the octaves of, of guitar. So if you play something, you can play the same thing.
2: So in the end,
1: you're playing sort of your two string playing becomes three times two string playing. You can play anything. (laughs) The secret to making it kind of uh, easy for your eyes, brains and and playing is to kind of uh, keep the same fingerings always. There, there. That way, you can kind of keep track. At least some, some part. But it's and it's great for phrasing also. When you start phrasing, like. Kind of like easily variate the same phrase, repeat it and kind of uh, easily stay on map. Uh, uh, Really handy tool, this tool, this kind of octave thing, but it's basically... Just uh, leaping, always set up yep. two two strings, <laughs> and it's fairly simple. Yep, you so... can just expand it to all over the place if you want, and that kind of uh, uh can become way much more and more complex in general. But it's the core of the whole thing is very simple in the end. I, I like that kind of thing because I kind of uh, felt this is closer to the. Piano or keyboard player approach where you have a clear octaves visible there You can see when the octave always starts. you can play all these arpeggios In many octaves just like that because you just follow always the same white and black keys same thing here Kind of like if you play It kind of uh, borrows a little bit of that octave idea from the keyboard interface. Uh, Then the the third one is just the position playing, the uh, learning the fingerings. uh. I mainly uh, just worked my ass off with all the three note fingerings. That, that they alternate picking that stuff as a kid, uh, yeah. but I think it becomes more and more enjoyable when you combine this kind. Of you can play just the one position. Just combine it with with some of the horizontal playing. Then combine it with that octave thing. Basically, it's just, I, I kind of think most of my playing relies on those three. Uh, like, uh, pretty much combining different fingerings, the different positions. Uh, using uh, horizontal playing to connect these positions and using also the octave kind of playing, uh, this two-note pairing kind of thing uh, to help navigating the thing. Um, yeah. So that that's my surfing uh, tip or the way I kind of like, like okay. to do that. Yeah.
0: So that whole octave jump thing, um, just after checking out Tom Quayle's tuning, it kind of makes sense why he does that. But yeah, ones, yeah, that, I think it would yeah. make other things incredibly hard, you know, like trying to play chords and the like.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I personally, I, I thought about it. I once, I maybe I once even tried that. It, it felt so weird. But it's kind of like uh, when you, once you go there, you tune the, the two strings different way. Kind of a, uh, you're forced to start playing differently than. Than the others are playing, which yeah. can be really, which can be really super uh, great way to kind of find your own sound as well, because easily you start finding different notes. Uh, guitar players are really uh, based. Th- our playing is so much based on fingerings and how we put our hands here, and uh, what, what what are natural and what kind of fingerings are an- unnatural. So it's uh, um when once you for example if you have some kind of open tuning and start playing you you might still play those n- typical fingerings but you end up hearing very different sound and that can oh, yeah. be very inspiring and uh, for tom's special tuning uh, i'm sure he has found a lot of sounds that we might not access so easily so absolutely
0: yeah but on the other hand uh, yeah it would almost make sense to have a double neck guitar. One tuned standard so you can play all your rhythm. And then when it's time to solo and you want to go crazy and use your three note shapes and not have that shift on the B string, you jump to the other neck that's tuned tuned like that.
1: That'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be cool. That would be cool, but probably very confusing for my brain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. And there's just standard cliches that everyone plays that just wouldn't work in that tuning yeah i I get that you know for all that that yeah it totally does um but there's certain things that people as a guitar player they expect to hear you play that you just couldn't play (laughs) in that in that weird tuning
1: yeah yeah Uh, that's true
0: yeah so i i I started i started going on about modes but you hadn't finished on your explanation of the fretboard i must apologize um, yeah, modes. Is that something that you use a lot of in in your playing, compositions, anything like that? I do, uh, in general. Well,
1: well um, I do enjoy uh, many, many modes uh, myself. Uh, well, I have my favorites, but um, I do like the uh, the different sounds. I would I would find it very extremely boring if I I would just set to compose all the songs in Aeolian or. Or a certain certain scale. Uh, I think uh, I and I do like to mix mix the sounds of different modes. Um, I think I got uh, got into modes pretty pretty early on uh, as a teenager. Uh, I don't think I got them all properly in my head already then, but um, I managed to compose some songs like in. Uh, like in some of the modes of the uh, melodic major scale, and things very like uh, when I was seventeen, for some reason, I just I don't know, I, I found some of those sounds very interesting, and they kind of when I once I studied those mode or scale sounds, it kind of made me compose some of the songs. Okay. but um what what really helped me was uh, around the time when fast finger came out, uh, 2005, uh, then um, I got hooked up with TC Electronic from Denmark, uh, the company, and we decided we would do together a sequel for Mr. Fastfinger Guitar Show.com, the, the website. So um, we did like a game kind of thing where Fastfinger used the uh, G system, the uh, TC Electronics pedal board effect mm-hmm. controlling thing, uh, multi effect thing, uh, and uh, I invented the idea of doing a, like a mode game where there would be a game where there was seven mo- seven levels in the game, and each level there would be a different mode, and each each level would have their its own backing track and set of licks that would be set to these uh, these modes. Okay. And uh, um, the problem was that I wasn't so greatly a master of all these modes, so I had to start digging up. I have an archive of all the old guitar players and Guitar World magazines, and I, I found all these like Frank gambles mode, uh, like uh, mode uh, articles and things yeah. and I st- started studying and okay, what kind of chords work there. And I kind of started studying that and I managed to create this game with these modes. I don't think some of the modes are not so well uh, in the mode as they should be now but it was pretty okay. And, um, that mode thing kind of led me to a situation where I, I, I was asked to travel to Germany to do a little clinic there. And, uh, it was this school where they asked me to do these, uh, like weekend workshops for them, where I would teach modes for, for students and some other stuff as well, some techniques. And, uh, so I was hired to teach modes, so that kind of eventually also helped me to really get inside the modes because I was suddenly had to start teaching the modes, and so I had to get my shit together, and uh, especially after years of doing that, I, uh, I, you know, got way much, I got the uh, idea of what, what each mode is really all about, and yeah. what are the notes of each mode and what are the chords of each each mode that really trigger the, the the actual mode sound that separates them from each other, uh, but it, it's all be all all this was basically in uh, the modes of the major scale. Sure. So uh, I'm not really an expert expert of all the modes of uh, all the whatever you can you can find modes. Each scale have its own, own set modes, of yeah. modes.
0: Yeah, so I'll just uh, the major uh, scale ones myself. <laughs> like, I'll just stick like, to the major scale modes uh, myself. Yeah, I, I am aware that there uh, are. I,
1: yeah, there's there's enough uh, studying for there for years, anyways, and uh, and for uh, for our ears, mostly those are the modes that are, are sounding the strongest. Um, at, at least if you have a rock background, if you have a strong weird jazz. Kind of set of ears you might enjoy uh, or if you have some exotic background of non-european or uh, no a set of ears you might enjoy certain exotic scales and their modes way much easier than, than than i might so uh but it's a personal thing it's i don't think everybody needs to learn all the modes of uh, and all the scales that there are there just find the ones that you find most uh, inspiring but and also the modes that are most needed uh, so you can cope, cope in different musical situations that you might end up in so um, and for me co- composing uh, many times I, I, I when I start composing I never wait for an inspiration I just kind of start by sitting down and I I might sometimes just decide okay I'm going to start in the key of Wait a second, yesterday I composed a song in A, so today I might do something in F sharp. Okay, F sharp. What kind of mode? Yesterday I wrote a song in Dorian. Let's start with something with Mixolydian. Okay, uh, how about combining that with some other mode in some other key and kind of see how they combine together or like work together or something. It kind of, it's for me, I find it kind of like uh, the mode have their own sounds and feelings So uh, if I want like a sunny major kind of thing, but with cooler vibe, i go for Mixolydian. And um, if I want a little bit less sunny, but cool, uh, Dorian is great for that. Or if I want more more darker or more uh, deeper sound, Aeolian is better minor than Dorian because it has that more Northern, Sadness to it because of the, uh, the the sixth note is different than the the, sh- the sharp sixth on Dorian. It, it's um, so. Do or you if do I,
0: approach? If... Do you approach the modes from a, a mathematical kind of like, um, yeah? You, know, you think okay, I'm going to play in A. You pick a mode and that's going to be it's spelt you know with a, a flat flat three five whatever. Or because so, that com- completely confused the fuck out of me when I try and think of it that way. Um, or do you sort of think more, you know what, um, I want to play in Lydian because you know what that sounds like, you know, it sounds like Steve Vai, um, so I'm going to play in A, Lydian, and I know that really I'm just going to play in, and I'm thinking of am really playing in, in E, aren't I, if I play over an A chord, but with a, over, over an an E major scale over an A chord, essentially, that's gonna give you, you your Lydian sound, right? Do you, do you sort of think more of that way or? What way did you, can you say that again? What, okay, what okay. So, so, if I wanted to play in the key of A, let me grab this guitar over here, which is, got an amp built in. Ugh. So, if I wanted to do in A, I'm a little bit out of tune here, But I wanted a Lydian sound. Um, I would be playing more in the key of the, the notes of E major. Uh, oh. but, uh, so. I'm not sure if you hear that.
2: Yeah.
0: So that's more how I think of it. Is that what you would do, or are you sort of approaching it more mathematically?
1: Well, in a certain way, I. Well, my master my master scale for everything is is uh, the home base the home of all homes is made minor scale so I never would think if, if I play let if I would think like if I play in if F Lydian well
2: uh,
1: then uh, I kind of see that it it comes from the uh, the scale of the same scale as uh, a a minor scale so So I, I never think about of it really like oh C major scale fingerings are here. I, I, the Aeolian is way much more. The minor scale is way much okay, more my think, home. Okay, you think
0: minor?
1: You yeah, think yeah, it, it definitely. I'm, I'm, you know, it's the north, north where I live. It's, it must be that I don't know why, but it's, it's for me. It's the, uh, the, the minor, minor scale is the, the home base really, and, uh, but, um. I try not to really uh, well if I need to play something fast and I it it can be confusing it's good to know where that relative minor uh, aeolian is compared to the the mode that I'm currently if if I would you know like if you play the uh, now would be uh, E uh, uh, Phrygian job if you know that it's the same notes as you would find in a, a, Aeolian. But I try not to think that, like you didn't do that, but, but it's, it's the risk if you th- start thinking, okay, I can just play the notes from uh, a, Aeolian or minor scale, because it, it, there's a huge, huge risk that you start sounding like, just play a, Aeolian over E Phrygian because you would need to reconsider the whole. The meaning of each note changes completely once you once you're there in the.
2: Uh...
0: That is actually how I would attack it. So that's why it's, it's That is how I would actually approach it. If if someone said, yeah. "Let's do uh, an E Phrygian," I would simply play. So I'm playing pretty much in the key of A minor, but over an E, e minor chord, is how I would do yeah. it. And that sort of loses the mathematics for me, but maybe I should learn otherwise. Well,
1: they, they, well, have, it's kind of like a challenging, because on the other hand, when, when, once you know the fingerings, it kind of helps to know the fingerings are same as the the relative scale or mode, like Aeolian here but if you kind of if your ear starts to kind of uh, if you forget to use your ear and really kind of treat the notes like their their meaning has really changed if you forget that uh, the ear ear part of the playing it starts to sound like you play Ae- a a, a aeolian over that whatever e
2: phrygian
1: yeah, yeah. whatever it kind of uh, so it it's um there's a risk with that kind of thing for sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I don't know.
0: Yeah. I was gonna say, Megan, do you do much teaching? If somebody wants to get lessons from you, do you do Skype lessons for people? Can they get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, I, I do that. And uh, um, I've been doing that for uh, quite a few years now. Uh, I usually don't have too many students uh, at the same time. but and I teach like two days a week on Tuesdays and Wednesdays that I, I try to, uh, mainly keep my students, uh, to kind of keep some, uh, room for doing creative stuff. Yeah. I really love, uh, uh, sharing the, 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 the things that I know and, uh, hopefully help out, uh, the students to kind of, uh, get over some of the problems or, or help out them to kind of realize some of the, uh, you know, help them advance in their in their musicality and playing for sure. And and there are some students that have actually are more like creativity students where they they want to compose or create their own music. Where I'm I'm more it's more like mentoring kind of thing, which is super cool. Sometimes I have my daughter's drum kit, and one times we were we had a session about creating the backing track and drum drums particular. And I just explained how, how to kind of think about how to build the drum beats and, and things in general. And I, yeah. at some point I just turned the camera the other, other way and went to the drum kit and explained it with my with my daughter's drums that are here. Actually, they're just disassembled, so I can't do it for you right now, but uh-huh. but uh, that was kind of funny. Uh, but yeah, showing some kind of... Techniques also to create your own music. That's that's super uh, super cool at times as well. Not yeah. just techniques or or uh, many many students have been asking about the, the whole modes thing, and yeah. uh, I have I kind of have my own uh, idea of the way I kind of see them. I kind of uh, think uh, try to see the modes kind of like related to the whole chords and everything, and kind of try to dim out the difference of chords arpeggios modes and everything kind of like i think they're all just the same thing just like different perspective
0: yeah yeah sure All,
1: all is so much all is everything is so related to each and everything so um it some things just took myself years to realize oh this is why this is here and blah 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 and trying to uh hopefully not mess their minds, but rather kind of help them to see uh, how things connect and kind of make the process hopefully slightly less painful or slow as it was for myself.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Less uh, than a, no, no, head to the wall.
0: There is a, uh, just in the, the chat room there, uh, William S. May is saying, your new album is amazing, Mika. Cheers. So you're getting some, some great feedback there, man.
1: Yeah, cool to hear. I'm I'm very glad to hear about that. I, I think the uh, the um, feedback that I've gotten has been really really good. Um, um uh, I think it's very different from the the, the previous Mr. Fastfinger albums. Uh, there was one guy who was more a critic. Uh, or he was he said he, he enjoyed the album, but he was kind of missing the Asian kind of vibe that uh, the uh, the other albums have more of. This one has, this, this has more of the cinematic synth kind of 80s kind of vibe that this album has. And the, the, uh, the previous albums, have they have synth and stuff and everything. But it's, it has quite a lot of that Asian vibe that is not there with this album. But my explanation is that you have to try things, different things, and you have to evolve. And if you just re- repeat things, exactly the same thing every year every time, and you, you just kill your creativity and, and yeah. all the spirit. You have, to, you have to do things the way it feels natural and inspiring to you so, yourself, and, and I think the way you grow as a person over the years, it, it should be reflected on the music you create, definitely. You
0: know, so, it's, you, you were talking earlier about just uh, composition um, for, for films and stuff like that. Do you always do you always compose on guitar, or do you, you know, reach for keyboards and other instruments? You, you mentioned before about playing a bit of drums. Um, when you're composing for for picture, what's your go to?
1: Well, even if I'm composing for Mr. Fastfinger music or, or any music, I, I rarely start with a guitar. I I kind of I like to like to keep the guitar as kind of like the last element. So okay. I, I tend to tend to compose with, uh, I'm really bad at keyboard. So yes, that's, a great, that's a great instrument for me to compose on. And even uh, especially, I love uh, recent years, I've used my iPad for a lot of composition work. And oh, many really? times I've, I've been kind of like a mobile composer. I've, I've written many of the songs from this album and previous albums. A lot of the best songs are written maybe on AirPods Aeroplane or backseat of a car or from some gig trip or uh, uh, Or wherever I've, I've been with with just iPad and and headset or my, my headphones uh, I love just Just bashing out notes there and uh, just using my ears and doing sounds and things and later I, I might come up with a lot of melodic ideas like that or some some like arpeggios and things. And later on I I might come up with new guitar parts. sometimes I come up with a, I, I want to do the keyboard stuff or the programmed stuff with a guitar, and I get into trouble because I need to figure out techniques, how do I play that part on the guitar. On a new album, there's one song that it's the same song that we recorded the the guitars on tape, four tracker, ocean of neon, where there's an arpeggio that goes like, it sounded so. It, when I composed it on the on the iPad, the app, uh, I just you know, made it there and programmed and played randomly notes, and that this sounds good. There, there's one note there. I fixed that and blah blah blah. Song some song was ready. Now I want to have real drums, real bass, and the guitar. And there's this tapping thing. Wait a second. You can't play this with tapping. It, it, you you we would need to have like a, this finger also here or something. So uh, I had to figure out write notes down and figure out how the hell I'm going to play, play it with the guitar, and it it wasn't easy, but th- th- this was one of the parts. Uh, let's have a little bit of ambient reverb.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Other cool thing was uh, there was like a hybrid picking thing. There was one, this kind of like a flute kind of sounding like this electronic sound that I was able to actually mimic with my freak out pedal. So there's this,
2: uh, so uh, I
1: would. I was was able to duplicate it and replace the uh, original synth that had that sound with a real guitar. And it was really closely similar to the the actual sound on the synth. Uh, Thanks to that special pedal on my board. And that's not a paid advertisement. I just love that. I just bought that pedal for myself because I I felt that it's something that kind of helps me to express some so, certain things that i couldn't do uh with the guitar before that pell I, I love that
0: this is the, fr- the freak out yeah
1: yeah the freak out yeah, yeah. and so yeah. um I think
0: I need one of those i think you, you yeah. just sold it to me i i haven't heard one before and I think you've sold it to me during this talk so um Perfect. yes they should be paying you, yeah, I, hope you, really, you I hope you have your affiliate really, links do you have your affiliate links set up do you know about those? no I don't
1: <laughs> no, I haven't been. I haven't never never done anything like that. But anyways, uh, there's a, there is a demo. Uh, it's not a demo, but it's a video on my channel where I I just had gotten this pedal, and uh, it was really the first thing. I, I tested it out at the music store for a moment before I bought it. When I got here, I hooked it on, add some delay reverb like this here, and then I just started exploring it, and I I shot it on video and and uh, and recorded it and It's it's very special sounding piece kind of like uh, it's almost like composition happening This improvised thing and then there's some like weird things happening when I step on like silly settings on the pedal, but it still sounds kind of cool and uh, it's it's one of my favorite pedals on my channel favorite videos on my channel because it's it's super spontaneous and uh, it's it, it's kind of uh, it's the type of uh, pedal demos that I, I I want to do more in the future. It's like exploring and digging, kind of like the question was it Gabor or somebody who asked, is it the pedal that inspires me to playing or, or to just add it afterwards? This this was kind of the thing where the pedal actually really inspires me to find some new sounds,
0: cool. new kind
1: of uh, things. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I actually thought you had a Sustaniac uh, in your guitar before we went live and you started playing with it. That, you, yeah. Were a sustainer? Because I used to have one of those, and it was such a big part of my sound for the longest time. Problem is, uh, the guitar was a 1989 or 1990 Hamer USA. It's just sitting just back there. Um, and it was the old old-style one, and it went through two 9-volt batteries. If I used it for about an hour... Gone, dead, and I actually ended up pulling it out of my guitar because my guitar was just sounded so good. But as soon as the batteries went, it was fucked. It, it the whole thing would would die. I still well, have the hole in thing- my guitar, oh. and I I plan on getting the, the new sustainer put in there because um, they, they've refined it a lot and uh, uses a fraction of the battery now. But um, oh, yeah, have you have you ever played around with, with sustainers?
1: Actually. I don't think I never even tried it. I was dreaming of having one uh, years ago, but I never got myself one.
0: Okay, uh, I used to have one. Uh, let me just flick this so that we can see my camera. I, I put a new battery in the camera, by the way, mate. I was—you were totally, totally making me look like an amateur with your camera when I went to my <laughs> my webcam. So I put it in there, but yeah, there is still. Um, You'll see me up there, so I'm not sure if you can yeah, see it. Yeah, I see. But there's that big ass hole there used to be a sustainiac in there, I've still got. Oh yeah. Where the switches were and everything over here, um, and I really want to put it back in here because this is a great sounding guitar. This is just my best sounding guitar, for for distorted sounds, um, just the low end, and it's got a, it's got a Floyd Rose, and everyone says, oh, you know, mm-hmm. you, you lose something with a Floyd Rose. No, this thing is just kick-ass. Of, oops, I've had this since nineteen ninety-one.
1: Um, nice, very nice. Used yeah. to be
0: black. It ain't going anywhere. This is my baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, obviously, yeah, you don't want want to you know want to keep that forever with you. Yeah.
2: Well the, then, the, well, the freak,
1: uh, the freak one, one thing I have to tell you. It's yeah. it doesn't give you the infinite sustain. It kind of actually. It can be kind of nasty to you. It's kind of like Miku. It it can be unpredictable at times. What it does is, if you have some single, like. Now it actually, well, I have a lot of re- reverb delay, but it cuts you off sometimes very nasty. This is not a good demo of the nasty card. Actually, I've never had such a long note with this. <laughs> but, 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 but. Like that. So it it, it it it's not like sustainer where you can really trust it doing that thing for you. Yeah. It's but it's great for doing that like a uh, it's okay uh, for that, but it,
0: yeah. Something I, I, that I almost said when you first played it to me was um, that it reminded me of uh, the old Boss Super Distortion feedbacker pedal, and Pooh Ninja has said exactly that in the comments there. Um, oh, do you know? Do you know yeah. this mystical Pooh Ninja?
1: Super distortion feedbacker. No, yeah. Uh,
0: did you ever play one I, of those I, pedals? I don't think so. I I think no, back I, in I, the I 80s. remember there was some feedbacker, but super super feedbacker and distortion, they were called. mm Yeah. Have, super feedbacker. And have distortion. to
1: Google that. I I think um. Super Distortion...
0: But it did a similar thing. Um. Where. You can be turned right down, and and you would kick this thing in and make your guitar feedback. I don't know how they did it. Just throw one million gain at your at your ramp. I remember
1: I remember seeing this. I never ever tried it. Uh, it was interesting, but I, this is from like have to be like late eighties or early nineties or what, what? I remember I them in the
0: eighties. I remember them in the late eighties. Yep. Super yeah, I think distortion.
1: I- Yellow, kind of like orange, yellow. I was gonna say yellow
0: or orange. I remember an orange pedal, maybe, yeah, with, yeah, with concentric knobs. Even if I'm remembering that it had the knob within a knob. No, this one no.
1: doesn't seem to have. I don't know, no, maybe okay. there's a version of okay. it.
0: No, or oh, maybe my own boss heavy metal pedal,
1: <laughs> yeah. But it's that,
0: uh, that it's... was my first pedal. What was your first pedal? Mine was the boss heavy boss HM2 heavy metal pedal, yeah. It was this metal charger, charger, the metal charger,
1: yeah. Yeah, and what, the reason why this is the first one is, uh, uh, well, we bought this for, uh, as a Christmas present for my my older proje- bro- brother who um, had the guitar in the in the house. I was I had the silly shitty synthesizer only those days. But I, me and my mother went to the local music shop to buy. Uh, basically, um, we wanted overdrive pedal, but we, in in Finland we called them Sarre pedali Sarre. saru. And charger kind of sounded like Sarah. So we thought this must be it. So we bought this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, we didn't we could have bought like maybe a boss pedal or some uh, like distortion name pedal if we we would have known that that's the right word for for Sarah, but uh, this sounded like metal charger. this must be the kind of thing that he's after. So we bought this, yeah. And this is special. I think this is a very special. It has its unique sound. And, uh, I actually did once very simple mod to this, uh, and it kind of made it sound even somehow better yeah. or the, uh, the, uh, the, what but it know? still, it didn't lose the character of this, this pedal that it has. Uh, I've really, uh, I've had this many, many times in my pedal boards, uh, pedal board in, uh, probably last time, like four or five years ago, but now it's just like, uh, on, uh. Part-time retirement or something, but it's available there when I when it, when the time calls for it again.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to keep those pedals around, huh? Um, yeah, you know that's
1: something. That, uh, I, I have, sometimes I, I just love things. That's this is one of I, I just bought myself. I haven't oh, wow. even tried it out, but it looks so cool. It's like a you know arcade kind kind of arc, arcade game kind of look, but it's it's just a graphic EQ. Like the yeah. Ibanez and Boss ones, yeah. this just looks so cool that I had to buy one. And uh, it has—it's the clone of all the Boss and Ibanez, Ibanez okay. pedals, so the yeah. same frequencies as everything. So I haven't hooked it on yet, but I, I'm guessing it'll—it'll it'll do the exact same thing as all the other. There's like just that.
0: something about old analog pedals that just sounds better. Have you—have you done many comparisons between? like digital multi effects and standalone pedals because I have one pedal back there and I pulled this out a couple of times that every time I get a Helix and Axe Effects, any of those things, I compare it to this analog um, uh, chorus pedal I've got back there. And it just, no comparison. This thing just makes the others sound silly. Um, And it's one of the, plastic arion pedal i'll hold it up there so you can see it firstly you, you, you're familiar with those
2: yeah yeah um, i remember those yeah yeah for everyone else to see
0: but man that just kills any other chorus out there um just in thickness and especially anything digital that i've tried to compare it to there is just no comparison this thing just and i've had friends who don't play guitar that have been at my place that have heard it and just go Wow, that that thing sounds amazing. So it's not just a guitar player's ear that's saying, "Oh yeah, you, this thing, this thing." Um, yeah. Uh, this so is...
1: me, it's I haven't honestly the the the, the thing that I've done is had have, have like a plugins and stuff things and and tried amp modelers or on, on uh, as a plugins on on Cubase and things. But the first thing that kills me is the latency thing that easily comes. Across, uh, I can't stand the latency when it goes beyond much over like two milli- milliseconds or something. It, oh, really? It starts you start feeling it so easily, uh, and it kind of kills me, uh, kills the, the the whole feeling and the connection. Um, and but when I started building this pedal board, I one of the things that I kind of just the fear of having latency built up. This one I built, so I have a selection of pedals that are all uh, have analog dry single flow. So everything stays analog until the cab simulation, which adds now two milliseconds. So that's the only latency that that my single, as far as I understand anything about this. But uh, that's what I've read, and I've been told that all these are... the only risk pedal is kind of like the digital delay but it is supposed to have the analog uh, dry signal as well uh, but that's the only thing that I'm not 100% sure about but uh, anyways I'm very happy about this single and I'm, I don't feel any uncomfortable latency oh. so uh, I've been I've been working with this very happily but I love the having the stompbox here because of the interface like having the I have the dual chorus here. I don't use chorus that much, but sometimes it's really cool. And mainly, I use the flanger. So um, uh, having the, having it there, and it's very easy to. Easy to set up, and what I've done is I, in all of my pedals, like um, I don't know if you can see here, but I have these little pink triangles here that makes makes you think of Miami Vice. I have a flamingo here here as well. Okay. Uh, uh, well, you can see it, but but anyway, I have like a little marks here where that's my preset in analog gear. Uh, you know, you don't have presets for uh, coming back to settings. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, well, you have that in, in uh, Black Spirit, but that, that has like a digital uh, controlling, although yeah. the single analog. But uh, all my pedals have these little triangles to show me the basic de- default setting. So when I go to band rehearsals or gigs, I should at least remember to check everything. Everything is set and I'm... Back. And whenever I feel like going crazy with the plunger setting, I can do that and then I know, okay Next morning, if I have to set things back to normal, I, I can always find it very quickly.
0: Yeah, right. Yep.
1: See if if things is set like it's supposed to be or if Miku is doing like like the wrong uh, sound like like Where's Miku? I don't hear anything anymore. I did something like... now it's doing just ba pa pa pa. or is it doing like a yum yum yum, yum.
0: <laughs> that pedal just cracks me up man that is that is the, the funniest pedal
1: what's cool about this miku by the way is you can Program phrases there. So I should oh, have really? a phrase here that says like konnichiwa Mika konnichiwa <laughs> yes. uh, I should I don't know No, it's not happening wait a second I don't know what actually uh, I might might have done that but I probably changed it to something that the problem with Miku doing random like uh syllabites and that sounds is yep. some of them get really lost in the mix sometimes you do a note that should be like really loud and it's like yeah.
2: and it doesn't yeah.
1: get you know heard. so yeah. i just programmed there like uh sounds that you can actually hear while making it sound like he's she's still singing uh some words random yep. words <laughs> <laughs> Every time you have, you, you never know what she's going to sing. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Very unpredictable. Hey, Mika, would you believe we've been talking for three hours now?
1: Yeah, I think that's that's plenty.
0: I think so, <laughs> man. Um, and one thing I'm finding doing these is that we could just keep talking and talking. So um, do you want to come back on In you know, sooner than later, you know, in the next couple of months? Yeah. And have a chat again because, um, yeah, this is... The easiest thing in the world for me, man, is just to talk to guitar friends from around the world and let people in on our conversations. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anything you want to touch on before we go, mate? Sorry. Uh, well, um, uh, please
1: do check out the uh, new album if you haven't done so yet. Uh, it's Where can the, people uh,
0: get it? Where is it available? Uh, well,
1: well, you you can check it out on, on Spotify, on Apple Music, uh, iTunes, anywhere you, you can imagine where they have uh, music sold or, or uh, streamed digitally. Uh, and also uh will have physical CDs uh, available straight from my shop if you get excited and want to support and, and like physical things. There are still uh, old farts like uh, you and me uh, that really appreciate some physical things. I'm not sure about you. But but the the um, it's it's available there if you want a hard copy as they say uh, this one is actually available as a CD uh, my previous my solo album was only a 15 copies of C cassette <laughs> that was the only physical oh really
2: wow
1: yeah that was my that that was the cassette album that I did last year the Night Overdrive uh, that, that I did under my own name that was that I'd recorded like on on four track and eight track cassette tape recorder, like as a solo solo fun project. But th- that that was another thing. But this uh, fast finger thing, uh, every album has been released as a CD, and yeah, it's a higher level production. <laughs> but but do check that album because it it might be uh, something that brings uh, good vibes and and positive energy to uh, to your life. Who knows.
0: So, is anybody in the chat room uh, there have any questions for Mika before we wrap things up? Uh, Edwin Crane has just said that he's learnt a lot. Thanks, Mika. You rock. You rock,
2: man. Uh, Thanks, Edwin.
0: Anything else that got past us, man? I still crack up every time I see the name Pooh Ninja. It's a classic. Do you do you you know Pooh Ninja?
1: Yeah, I've seen him. uh, Apparently, I'm seeing him around.
0: Yeah, yeah, he he frequents all the uh, all the YouTubers, um, live streams and stuff. I haven't heard anything bad about him. I think he's friends with a few few of our friends. Uh, I, but I it, had the, one. What was it?
1: Yeah, I had a guy commenting in my stream that was uh, also commenting some other videos of mine. His his name is Anal Sneeze. <laughs> It was so funny. We were doing a stream with Juha Rogangs the guitar maker, uh, the, yeah. the 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 maker of my guitars, and and yeah. uh, I had to take. He had a, some kind of question or comment. I had to say it aloud because of it was his incredible cool name. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. So I, I have a question just about you about your guitar. Is that available as a signature model? If folks really like your guitar, can they um, can they order that?
1: Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a. Uh, it's a model called Aeon from Rokangas Guitars. And a um, my first, the other green guitar, uh, the movie guitar was kind of like the prototype for that guitar. At the time, he didn't have a guitar that would be kind of like a super strat kind of thing. He had like a metal guitar version without the Picard, which is most important, one of the most important factors of guitar. Having a bl- black Picard, that's very important for me. But he had more like an edgy kind of metal get, kind why, of Why? Why is that?
0: I'm just going to stop you there. Why the black pickguard? Why is that important to you? Is this a tone theme? It, it,
1: I don't know. It gives the guitar more coolness. Like if you take any like stock strat with a white or kind of white pickguard or white ish, maybe green tinted pickup, pickguard, and replace it with black, the guitar yeah. turns way much cooler afterwards, okay, right okay. right okay. it's a cool te- factor
0: it's a cool thing
1: okay. yeah it's a coolness factor for sure and i think a guitar without a big pickguard it, it just looks wrong the 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 strat shape was designed to have a big pickguard there right so i, I think it's uh th- there's no real uh, real reason for it but it it's just i think it has to be there uh but this was kind of like a prototype for uh, for the aeon model that you had later on released officially uh so this is actually officially a bsop which is his strat model but but the uh, there were a lot of changes like because of the 24 frets and strat where well the body shape had to be turned quite different and also yeah, i can see it. it's, a, it's a
0: shorter it's a shorter body isn't it than yeah it, it's shorter because you want to have a little bit of access here so yeah.
1: the, the, the the lower horn was uh well, the position of this has to be had to be changed. And also, um, I designed this Picard myself. I drew it on the Adobe Flash and uh, over a photo of a body, and uh, sent that to Yuha, and they they drew the final version of that. But it, but I actually got to design this shape, and yeah. I think I'm really proud of that because it actually it's it's really well. Maybe in this guitar, it's more clear to see in this light. But it's uh, it it really uh, works well with the body shape, and I oh, think yeah. the guitar strat body is kind of interesting. Or guitar sha- body shapes in general. I think their little differences make huge huge differences. It's like uh, if you ever try to draw a guitar body like a strat guitar, mm-hmm. if it's slightly wrong, it it looks like bad immediately. Um. Totally. It's, yeah. it's really, all the, all the, uh, everything has to be uh, just right then it looks right.
0: It Otherwise, is a hard, looks... that's a hard shape to draw, a Strat. Yeah, it is, it is, it is. It, um, it yeah, is. yeah, just thinking back in high school when I used to draw guitars and stuff and yeah, no, Strat's hard to draw. But I think, yeah. Leo I got yeah. it right. You got it right. I just look at, me, <laughs> I got some guitars beside me. i, I don't know never I this is a guitar that I I really like. And this is something I put together out of Warmoth parts. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Let me just switch this to me. Um, so that is a um, a strap body, but rear routed. Um, roasted maple neck. A big 59, um, 1959 Les Paul style neck on that. Um, I got the Super V Trem system on that. I don't know if you're aware of those. They're really cool. Um, and yeah, I really like it. I, I think it's just the pickups and electronics that I need to play around a bit with. But yeah, I, I, I put that together just out of parts that I bought myself and I'm, I'm really happy oh, with that. that.
1: That looks really, really cool. At least, huh? Yeah. yeah too many Fantastic.
0: guitars, man. Yeah. How, how many guitars do you own? Just add the pick card. You, you know what? When we were, when we were chatting, um, I was chatting to Dave Friedman about it at, at 42 Gear Street because I, I'd, really like, um, I'd really like one of his guitars. Um, man, I, Both at Nam and there. I, I'm, as we said, yeah, I'm a Strat guy, and um, I really like the, the Strat style guitars. But I was saying to him, I'd really like a bit of this model, a bit of that model thrown together. And he actually was the one that brought it up. He said that the Strat sounds that I was after, he said to get one that the Vintage S, S Vintage, Classic S, I forget the name, bloody hell, not S Classic, Vintage S, but with a pickguard because he reckons that that's a big part of the tone of getting that Stratty kind of tone was Mm -hmm. to have single coils on a pickguard. So I actually put that together thinking it would be more convenient to try and get to... The electronics. If I need to play with it, but I'm thinking that he might be right, and that it needs that to get the tone. And and, Who knows? and yeah, Mika has said I need I need one of the guards, so that's all I need to hear, man. That's all I need to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Mika, it? thank you so much, man, for for tuning in. It's a, you, bit of a time difference. Yeah. Um, I, my apologies yeah. to my friends in the US. What's what's the time
1: to- there? It's ten o'clock there, or something.
0: Yeah, quarter past ten. Yeah. Yep. Early for Amuso, uh, but yeah, um, our United States friends got the raw deal on this one. But that was just the time differences between you and I. Um, mate, thank you so much. Um, will will you come thank back you. on? Will you come back on? Um, yeah, and I'm talking, you know, in, in a month or two, chat with me again because. Um, yeah. Yeah. All the all, all my friends that I've I've lined up to do this, man. We could just talk. About guitars and stuff all day, and I think people yeah. don't mind listening into us talking about guitars all day.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or I'm not sure if I, technically if it's possible but how like a like two guests on Skype. I'm not sure how technically that would work. If it becomes difficult, but that that could be one thing also.
0: Uh, that's easy to do with the, the streaming software I use. I, actually, oh, yeah. my first live stream interview with, was with two. Oh. Cool. Uh, I think I can have up to five guests using this software. Well, that might
1: be, <laughs> yeah. That would that might be a plenty, but anyway, well, that would that could, could be. Up.
0: Maybe yeah. we should line up something where we get you know uh, a few guys that were from Forty Two Gear Street all, all come in, um, yeah. and we will have a bit of a chat live together. That'd be that'd be kind of cool. Because Absolutely. we can. Yeah. Yeah. Mika, thank you so much, my friend. And uh, thank you. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Bid farewell to our guests. Uh, so. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. I'll roll my little outro, hopefully hit the right button.